0: For 25 years, this event broke new ground. Welcome to Wembley Stadium. Michael's going up. We got it. The boiler room brawl Forged unforgettable moments. The match made in heaven. There, two Undertakers. Solidified legends. The youngest champion in history. Undertaker. Seven become the single biggest event of the summer tonight history will be made in los angeles and in the city known for its stars a storm is brewing Focused on the personal annihilation of one man. You've gone somewhere you shouldn't go with Triple H. You made it personal. I feel sorry for your children. Paul Heyman crossed the line. That's Triple H's wife, Stephanie McMahon. You do not ever speak about my children. But when you threaten all that a man values in life... I got a I got a oh, This has got to be stopped. Oh my god, the Camorra Lock, this is the same hole that Lesnar used to break Triple H's arm! It's a dangerous game. You're going to step into the ring with me, the one true destroyer, the conqueror, the king of kings. Tonight... The Cerebral Assassin, Triple H. The Human Wrecking Machine, Brock Lesnar. It is going to be a flat-out fight. The Perfect Storm. And now, WWE presents the 25th anniversary of SummerSlam.
1: Tinky slamming that door like he's just told him he's doing a shit job.
2: Bloody hell. <laughs> well it did, in fairness. <laughs> um live reaction video as well. I'm I'm currently drinking feel good rhubarb and apple, fruitful sparkling water. Oh. How how is it? Actually not bad. Um we get we get these drinks occasionally free with this the mindful chef boxes we get. And I, we had one of these last week, and it was all right as well. Actually, I can't remember what it was now. It was a strawberry or something. This one's not bad as well, either. Not quite good.
1: Do, do you think that's the reviews they're looking for on these live reaction videos? <laughs> you know what? It's all right,
2: that. It's also not the kind of reaction that's going to get you lots of views, I would imagine. <laughs> I imagine you have to be like, this is fucking amazing. The best thing I've ever had in my life.
1: Yeah, and then the next week. You're just given like normal tap water and you do exactly the same thing.
2: Oh my fucking life.
1: (laughs) Shit, this is like a blowy from Daniel Bryan. I can't believe me luck. (laughs) And then like that,
2: it's free out of tap. Hello and welcome to the Random Wrestling Review. I'm Ben Spindler and you join us today as we continue our trio of SummerSlam episodes. Last week we looked back at the infamous 1997 event and today we fast forward to 2012. Joining me for the show is Sam Carey who, at the age of 11, was already being called old man by his peers, a situation that wasn't helped when he broke his collarbone following a confrontation with an absolute stud on the playground. Sam, how are you?
1: I'm alright, although oh, a tough memory, because being pushed over by an absolute stud is always tough, but especially when you're only 11 years old. <laughs> I mean, on the plus side, I'm going to make you pay for it tonight, because uh, we're in the midst of our SummerSlam trio heatwave, as you said, and my balls are sweaty, so let's crack on, because you two are fucking trying
2: um and also on the show once more stepping in for tom smith is matthew Roberts, who will be happy that today's show not only is a little closer to his wrestling comfort place but even has commentary to get him through as well matt
3: welcome back thank you very much and yeah, uh, absolutely right commentary is back all is right with the world hooray
2: and we're in 2012 so we're not deep into the 1980s the dark days well <laughs> Not the dark days for some people, but certainly a long time ago for many, many people. Um, we are now much more close to, to the time we are currently living in. Although still nine years ago, still quite a while, a while, a while ago. Still modern it,
3: though, modern enough.
2: It does make you think. Time goes so fast. And when you, go, when you go back to a show like this, which doesn't feel that long ago, but in truth is massively long ago and so much water has gone under the bridge since... Uh, It does make you worry about how quickly your life is falling away from you. What
1: a lovely cheery note to start the episode on.
2: (laughs) Would you expect any less?
1: No. Well, to be honest, I'd forgotten 2012 was a thing. So I was glad to do this show because I didn't know.
2: When you say you forgot it was a thing, what happened? Did you did you did did nothing happen between 2011 and 2013? You did you just, just
1: skip?
2: <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know. It all passed me bikes It was the
1: year of the Olympics in London. And yeah. I used to work evenings, so I missed most of it. Uh. So I felt like I missed the year. There was a lady there in the restaurant I worked in. When Tom Daly was doing his diving on the Saturday night, she kept asking me how Tom was getting on. <laughs> and I was like... I, I didn't have the heart. She was a lovely lady, a regular customer. I didn't have the heart to tell her that I didn't give a fuck.
2: <laughs> but you, well, the reason you didn't give a fuck, fuck is because you thought she was talking about Tom Spiff, not Tom Daly. <laughs> oh, well, to be fair,
1: yeah, both ways to be honest. Because uh, Tom Daly's fine, but I wasn't interested in how he was. Doing. I had a job to do. I had people to service. I was well, fucking professional.
2: I hadn't even factored in the fact that the Olympics was happening at this time in 2012 in London. Yeah,
3: You wouldn't know it from watching the show. You would have thought they would have mentioned something. or
2: Well, I guess it would have finished by this point, wouldn't it? I mean, Mm. so we're recording this two weeks ahead of when this episode will come out. And by the time the episode does come out, the Olympics will be good and done. But I had forgotten about that. And actually, just to contrast your work, old man, my work was mainly st- sat in front of the BBC News website waiting for updates on what was going on in the Olympics, basically oh. all day at the time. So. Brilliant.
1: Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad one of us enjoyed it.
2: <laughs> now, before we begin today, I want to give a special shout out to Chris Walkden, who is a big supporter of us over on Facebook. Go on, Chris! It's great hey. to know you're enjoying what we do. I'd also like to encourage all of you to give us a follow at UK on Facebook or indeed Twitter or instagram so summerslam 2012 this week and what were our expectations going in matt why don't we start with you what were your expectations for this one i'm assuming you've seen this
3: before yes and i actually remember this one relatively well um the i was looking forward to it quite a bit because i do remember the the triple h brock match so straight away from the get-go i thought okay this should probably be a good show so expectations were actually quite uh, quite high going in. I got to be honest. That's good. It's good news.
2: Mm, good news good compared man. to last time. I mean. Yeah. I, and you, you, I guess because you said you remember this one, I'm assuming you yeah. didn't remember the 1988 Green, Great American <laughs> Bash from
3: Greensboro. I can't say that that is something that was on the top of my head. No, can't say I remember that at all.
2: Oh man, what were your expectations?
3: I'll be honest, I wasn't sure. It's kind of like when
1: you when you run a bath and you're dipping your toe in and it might be a bit hot might be a bit painful, or it'd be absolutely fine. I was thinking it was going to be absolutely fine, but there was a chance I was going to get burned. And if I was going to get burned, I knew it was going to be bad as well.
2: So it wasn't really like you dipping your toe in, because you could surely just, you know, undip your toe. It was more like <laughs> you were jumping in, you know, with yeah. your whole body at once.
1: <laughs> yeah, kind of like in The Lost Boys, when Nanook jumps into one of the vampires and pushes him into a bath full of holy water and garlic, and he burns up. That's pretty
2: much what I was like. Wow. And uh, once more, I will say I've never seen The Lost Boys. Oh, it's tremendous. I know. I know it's your favourite film. I know. Yeah, sorry, guys, I quit. Yeah, my, my expectations go in. So I could remember that the main event was Brock Lesnar versus Triple H, but my memory of the reaction to it was that it wasn't well received, or at least I that was what I had felt, remembered. May have been remembering incorrectly, but that's what I had remembered is that there wasn't it wasn't a great reception to the match, and uh, I couldn't remember anything else that was on the show. So this is very much a case of Brock Lesnar Triple H. Just very sharply in my mind, that is definitely happening on this show, but I don't know what else there is, and I remember that not being very well received at the time. So I was a bit iffy going into this one. I wasn't sure what we were going to get and how good it was going to be, but uh, let's find out.
1: Well, to be honest, what you've just said, there's a reason for that, and that's because in the opening video, they do not give a shit about anything else but Lesnar and Triple H. And as we'll get to, through most of the show, to the point where I just wanted to I just wanted it to be done. The perfect storm. Perfect shit storm by the time. <laughs> um, do you think uh, George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg will turn up?
2: <laughs> I didn't. Re- were they in that film? I've never seen of that film. Of course they either.
1: were. I saw that film in the cinema. It's bloody awful. Is it? I tell you what, it's no Lost Boys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Are you sure the Lost Boys isn't some kind of spin-off to Robin Hood? No, uh, Peter, Peter Pan. I get them mixed up. Peter Pan. No,
1: no. Um, As you'll know lost boys vampires vampires
2: before peter pan In <laughs> fact, yeah well of course <laughs> they are they're older they've lived forever so 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 is peter pan and and the lost boys because they don't get old yeah they don't age
1: yeah they don't get yeah but they haven't been bitten i don't know what's going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: it doesn't matter because i said robin hood at the start and messed it all up so it's yeah it's you <laughs> So yeah, as you say, the show begins with well, actually it begins with a 25 years of SummerSlam intro video. It is the 25th anniversary, Tinky. I know, Imagine I know, that. I know. <laughs> Where we heard that before? The 25th anniversary, and it isn't the 25th anniversary. How? how what, it's not like WWE would ever do that again, is it?
3: No. Why?
1: Why would they do that? It's beautiful and factually accurate. I don't know what your problem is with it. <laughs>
2: So then we get uh, some stuff about, as you say, Lesnar and Triple H facing one another. And the main things I have pulled out from the video were that um, Steph, this is at the period where Stephanie McMahon starts to be a bit overbearing and, and annoying and starts to kind of undercut a lot of the actual wrestlers, which doesn't make have a lot of sense to me. Um, we see Lesnar attacking Shawn Michaels, and we see Triple H being presented as a massive star, almost as big as Brock Lesnar, who was mm-hmm. at this time, very soon after his return to WWE following a extremely successful period in the UFC. And Matt, you can talk a bit about that, period because i know that you are a big mma fan so um what were your thoughts with lesnar coming back to the company at this point
3: lesnar coming back was very very interesting um you know considering the way that he he left as well i mean you know i'm sure people remember you know the well the 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 shitstorm really there was the the original brock lesnar goldberg match all the way back at wrestlemania 20 which was just god awful and was the last sight of both brock and goldberg so you know Brock coming back was a big deal. Um, the, you know, the actual return was fantastic. You know, when he first came back on the uh, the, the raw after Mania, um, you know, slight speed bump, you know, with um, losing to John Cena at, at Extreme Rules, but overall, his return was very well received. And you know, this was one of those sort of cool dream matches that the people had kind of been looking forward to for, for a long time. Like, Brock and Triple H had, had kind of wrestled before I, I believe it was at the australian uh australian super show about way back in 2002 um i think it was brock true yeah brock triple h and the rock uh on that australian super show so they had tangled before but uh yeah like i said it was um this was definitely well well you know everyone was very much looking forward to it
2: was that the global warding tour yes Is that right, yes
3: Ron?
2: that's lovely oh, oh man you were shaking your head you were you obviously weren't looking forward to that much
1: i, I was not looking forward to this <gasps> Uh, At all, because I did not. So I grew to like Triple H coming back every now and then. Uh, This was not my phase of liking Triple H coming back. And also, to your point, Tinky, about Stephanie, she was horrendous. And they were always side by side at this point. And I just remember... I can remember the build. I have never seen the match. I know that. I've never seen this show. I now know, having watched it all the way through. And I tr- I can remember the build really put me off because it's crap. It's really crap. He breaks his arm. He then comes back. He breaks Shawn Michaels' arm. They have a match. No one knows why they're having a match. Triple H doesn't want to give him a contract for some stupid amount of money. I don't care. <laughs> like, is it, is it, it's not like Triple H is the Brooklyn brawler and he's like fighting for the match. He's chief financial officer or whatever he is of a multi-billion pound dollar company. This is a relatable. I just want you to say, Brock Lesnar, you're a shit. And you go, no, I'm not. You're a bloody shit. And then they have a fight. That's it.
2: Are you, you telling me that you didn't even raise a smile when Brock Lesnar demanded that WWE's main show become called WWE Monday Night Raw starring Brock Lesnar?
1: No, because that would no, be no, have made sense. <laughs> that was effectively what
2: pushed Triple H over the edge was that he yeah. pointed his name in the uh, in the title of the show.
1: Yeah, which seems flimsy. I mean, let's let's not shoot our load too early. We'll get to the main event.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, I think the things that I were pulling out there were things that I was concerned about because I was seeing the Triple H and Stephanie were being positioned as this kind of basically better, cooler, smarter than everybody else on the roster right from the get-go. And that is a feeling... That really turns me off because it's effectively the reason I stopped watching mm. two, two years after this, three years after this, whenever it was. that I really just kind of had to go, you know, what? I can't do this anymore because I'm sick of them just basically being portrayed as better than everybody else.
1: Well, yeah, because we had this issue, was it? payback 2016 or was it which one was it the 2017 one that tom wanted to kill himself
2: when he was watching <laughs> Fastlane 2017
1: yeah that's it yeah that was uh that was a theme running through that wasn't it i
2: don't so, remember that, joe God. well you don't, don't worry you don't want to and it was one of yeah. our least well-rated shows ever so yeah don't worry about it. um tom gave it a two out of ten and that's the lowest score he's given anything <laughs> <laughs> So we go to the arena and the commentators are Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler. Michael Cole mentions that it's the fourth time in a row that SummerSlam has been in Los Angeles. They had at this point uh, kind of they just decided to start doing it, SummerSlam at the Staples Center every single year, which is an interesting one. I don't really know what that decision was based on, but uh, they did it. They, they even continued that the following year. I don't know. If, did it continue after that? Yes, it went right through. 2014, yeah, so it's basically six years in a row in the same building,
1: and now they do it in the Barclays Center, don't they? Every year,
2: that's a good point, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess, over than last year when you know, <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I know, I know, obviously, this coming year where it's yeah. in Vegas, maybe,
2: indeed, in about a week after really? this show comes out, uh, yeah. yeah, could be a big one. Any, so any thoughts on Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler in this show? Um, I know, obviously, we certainly. Spoken about them before as a, as a team, but anything specific to this show?
1: Didn't want it. Didn't want it. I was crying out for multiple teams of commentators <laughs> when I saw it was these two. We're big Michael Cole fans here. We give them a lot of time. From memory, this is Lola. I think this is probably Lola at his worst. I think this I is th- Michael
2: Cole at his worst as well.
1: Well, uh, yeah. Well, I, I
3: was going to get to that because, oh, it's horrendous. <laughs> I've just found that it's easy to tune them out now, like particularly Michael Cole it's like I'm just so used to hearing his voice. it's like ah, I can just tune it out at will basically
2: yeah he's he we as I said as old man said, we are quite big Michael Cole fans on this podcast, at least in terms of compared to most people, we give him a lot more fair you know crack of the whip than most would, but this is the period where he's being a heel, which I yes. hate I hate the play by play heel commentary. It is ridiculous. It it removes such a core part of the basics of pro wrestling in that you have someone calling the action who can highlight when somebody is being uh, heelish or is cheating so that it's perfectly clear to everybody who they're supposed to be cheering for, who they're supposed to be che- booing and when you flip that on his head and try and make the play-by-play play the heel, it just, everything goes to shit. And I think they found that, and I think as a consequence, because this wasn't just at this period, he'd been doing it for about two years by this point. They found as a consequence of this, that they've had the last five, six years where fans just choose now who they want to cheer for, because it just wasn't clear at one point who the mm-hmm. hell they were supposed to be cheering for. And I think you see it during this show with Daniel Bryant at times as well.
1: A mess, a bloody mess. And we haven't even started.
3: And we know it's a mess. <laughs> Do you know I I kind of felt that it wasn't as bad. Like, I think this was like this was I don't know if it was towards the end of bit sort of being a heel run because it, it didn't feel as bad as it has been. Like, particularly in, in the run up to his, you know, his abysmal match with Jerry Lawler WrestleMania. Like that was full on. But, you know, it's not up about that. But like this was not as bad. It was, this is the odd moment, but it, it was better.
2: It might have been an abysmal match, but it was the best match on that terrible fucking WrestleMania. I was, <laughs> yeah.
3: I was just
1: about to say that. I think it probably was.
2: I, can, um, I think there's a Cody Rhodes
1: Rey Mysterio match on there. That's passable. The, yeah, the Triple H taker match on there as well. That
2: was good. Oh no, no, that was a terrible Triple H to take.
1: The 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 rematch they have is a tremendous piece of work. Yeah, I can remember so. Me and Tinky and Tom had been to WrestleMania's 25 and 26. And me and Tinky, for a short while after we got back from 26, were mulling over going.
2: Yeah. We 27. Yeah. I
1: think I would have probably, I don't know, i just spent four hours crying, I think. <laughs> <laughs> just die, no, it was awful.
2: We definitely awful. dodged a bullet on that one, actually. We definitely
1: yeah. dodged a bullet on that one. Well, do, we, we didn't completely dodge it. We still got some like residual because we watched it live, didn't we?
3: <laughs> yeah, wasn't a good show
2: No So what about this show? Let's go back to this It begins with Eddie Guerrero coming. No, Eddie, Vicky Guerrero
3: <laughs> he's, been, he's been dead for eight years, mate I'm disrespectful <laughs> I wonder why Eddie Guerrero is on the mind
2: <laughs> This show begins with Vicky Guerrero uh, coming out in front of the crowd and saying excuse me in the way that she had many times before. She introduces her client, Mr. Money in the Bank, Dov Ziggler. Um, he is clearly a heel because he's with Vicky Guerrero, but he gets a very healthy amount of cheers as he comes out. And we then see footage of Ziggler winning the Money in the Bank about a month before.
1: And that Money in the Bank match, Tensei, Alex Riley, Santino <laughs> Marella. The <laughs> combatants.
2: The big and titans. The big titans in that one. not to be
1: honest, when I saw that, I thought this could be a ropey old ride. This because if they're in a Lord Tensai, I completely forgot he came back as Lord Tensai, Alex Riley, who can't wait to slag off WWE every <laughs> opportunity he gets, and Santino, who robbed a living for many years. Fair play to him. Oh, bloody hell.
2: Yes, no, I, I understand exactly your concern there, definitely. <laughs> We then get some footage of Ziggler attacking Jericho on SmackDown and injuring Jericho's ribs, which play into Jericho coming down to the ring with some bandages around those ribs. Mm. And Matt's now shaking his head. What's, what's with all the negativity, guys?
3: Because he didn't hit him in the ribs. I burst out laughing when I watched it. He like he sort of hit his arm, and I was like, "What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> Not his ribs."
1: it's not a good start. I come into this and I was pretty like, right, we'll have a good time watching this. And you've got, uh, the, fir- the opening match is not one made for this podcast. Jericho and Ziegler. <laughs> and like, anyway, but this feud evidently made two nights before this match would have been made and I did think, I was like, fuck me. If they're opening with this, this could be a bit of a A bit of a stomp. I'm thinking that I might have fallen into that bath that we mentioned earlier. (laughs) And I've I've burnt me bollocks a good one.
2: (laughs) So it is Chris Jericho versus Dolph Ziggler, the opener. It's a 13 minute contest, this one. It ends when Ziggler charges Jericho into the corner, but he avoids it and sends uh, uh, Ziggler into the ring post. Then Jericho applies the Walls of Jericho for the submission. The Walls of Jericho looks pretty brutal, I've written here. He really really Mm. bends him back on it. Old man, your thoughts on this contest? So this
1: is all built around multi-time world champion multiple, multiple time interna- international champion uh, <laughs> uh, intercontinental champion Chris Jericho not being able to win the big one he can't win the big one he can't Thank win God. the big one and you you know what the big one is a curtain twitcher against Dolph Ziggler for nothing absolutely that's the big one you've got they've really had away from that the, the match is fine it's fine but it's not very good, to be honest. I think fine is pushing it. It's just really flat. And the first major pop is the zigzag, which is a weird move. But great pop. Great pop for the kick out as well. It's really well done. And give the commentators their due. They sell it very well. As Tinky said, the water Jericho at the end is magnificent. And looks like it would have broken me in two. But... When the highlight is Vicky Guerrero on the outside, it's not a surprise, but it's not a great indictment on the quality of the match. And this is kicking off the show. I'm like,
2: oh, bloody hell, lads. This is um I should just remind everyone obviously that Chris Jericho has been a recurring theme on this podcast since the very first episode when I sort of shared my belief that Chris Jericho may be one of the most overrated wrestlers in the history of the world and also um Tom's least favorite wrestler of all time is Dolph Ziggler which is why old man commented that this this match really isn't built for this for this
3: uh for this podcast. Uh Matt your thoughts. C- quite similar to old man's though. Like, I got got to be honest it was quite It was fine. You know, there there was nothing particularly overly special about it. I mean, it was a good open. I'd go so far as to say good. Vicky Guerrero, definitely one of the highlights. I mean, just her voice is just one of the most grating things on earth. And she uses it to perfection. Like the second you hear, you know, how over was excuse me? You know, when she used to say it, it's two words. And she had more heat than half the people on the roster. You know, it was great. Like I said, I mean, it was a fine match. You know, there was a couple of things that I did like here and there. Like I did write for for those AEW fans, I I did write a sort of smart ass comment at the start when Jericho hit an elbow. I put who Judas elbow. Um, <laughs> and towards the end there was like a cool DDT hit by uh, by Ziggler. But yeah, you know, it was it was fine. Um, you know, I, I was quite surprised that Dolph lost considering he had the Money in the Bank contract at the time. I was kind of thinking he was going to win that, but hey, sounds about right, really. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no
2: doubt that Ziggler was going to lose this after winning the Money in the Bank contract because that's what they do every time. Someone wins the contract and then they lose for the next six months until they cash it in. It's the most, it is the ridiculousness. It's another problem with the Money in the Bank. We, we keep talking, coming back to this, it's about the third time now we've come back to this, is that... With the money in the bank, the way they book them, they they do have them lose all the time. The problem with it is that if they have them lose all the time, obviously it does nothing for them as they build up to what is an inevitable win in the world for a world title, which is never where you want to be. But also for the character, if you think about it from the character's perspective, losing doesn't mean anything because they have the money in the bank and therefore having them in any matches doesn't mean anything because they have the money in the bank it just it just doesn't it all of us it just doesn't it just renders everything they do pointless which is funny that i should say that because i'm going to surprise you both i thought this was really good <laughs> i thought this was a really good <laughs> match yeah i should clarify my position on jericho because i did over it. Him. i you did over i get ag- a little bit earlier on i think he is Overregarded by most people in terms of being one of the all-time greats he's for me not anywhere near being one of the all-time greats that's not to say that i don't think he's a good wrestler and has good matches i just don't think he's anywhere near as good as as tom would put it he thinks he is um and in this match it's where he gets the reputation for being really good because he can always go when it doesn't really matter when it's not really that important, he's always very good. It's when the matches matter. When he's in a really big, important match, for example, against Triple H in the main event of WrestleMania, he lets everyone down. He's just not good on the on the big stage. I mean, I don't think it was amazing at all, but I thought it was perfectly fine. I thought it was a pretty decent match. But ultimately, yes, it, it meant very little by the end because, as you say... He's the money in the bank holder, so it doesn't matter that he loses. Effectively, every time he loses, his record just gets reset because he's got this kind of get out of jail free card, which will allow him to win the World Championship at some point in the future. We then see Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler talking and behind them, they do mention him later on, but behind oh. them, I noticed instantly a name I thought I would never say on this podcast. Cunt Morgan is sat. Um <laughs> Piers Cunt Morgan is sat behind him, and uh, yeah, behind him. This would obviously have been in t- during his time when he was on American talk shows, I assume.
1: I'll be honest. I'm astonished he found time in his busy schedule of like downplaying mental health issues for young black women. To be honest, to um, to find
2: time to go to SummerSlam. Me too. But what are you what yeah. are you going to do? I guess sometimes yeah, way, it does take some time off.
1: Yeah. Well, I suppose everyone's got to take a day off, haven't they? Yeah. Which is where she'd taken about fifteen years.
2: I I just wish he'd taken about 15 steps off of a short platform. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What a cock. Yes. So I'm not going to spend too much more time on him. And he will come back up later in the show. So we'll get to it. We get some footage from Raw where Lesnar destroys Shawn Michaels and Triple H tries to stop him. But Lesnar breaks Michael's arm. So to your point, old man, they kind of keep coming back to this Mm. build between Lesnar and Triple H. And unlike, I I think the thing is, is you get conditioned um, within pro wrestling to notice when these things are happening. So to me, I think, and Matt, again, you probably can speak to this a bit. I imagine this is quite a common thing, for example, in a UFC show where the, it's UFC, I don't know, 171 or whatever, and they've and they subtitled the name of the main event. So they keep, they'll keep coming back to the main event because it's really sold on what that main event is, whereas wrestling's not quite the same. I mean, it, it is, but not quite. And mm. so as a wrestling fan, when you see something being constantly brought up and, and come back to, you know that they, in their minds, have really only thought about the main event and what's going to happen there.
1: I haven't watched much UFC, but all of those fights matter. And when you do this in the wrestling show that we all know, predetermined and it's storyline based, you're just downplaying everything else that's on the card. And they, to be fair, they do a pretty good job of that on this. I mean, <laughs> you may as well just have the forty minutes at the
3: end. And that's pretty much a lot of the times a UFC card, to be honest. Um, You know, occasionally you'll have like a big time card, you know, where that they'll, you know, say for example, like a UFC 200 type event where, you know, that they'll really stack it, you know, top to bottom. There'll, there'll be loads of title matches, and big name fights. But, you know, you only have to look There's a UFC this weekend where it's pretty much a one fight card. It's the main event and nothing else, you know, that they'll put they'll put the odd name on it here and there to to maybe try and create a star of it. But, you know, you only have to look at like a Conor McGregor card just to see that. It's a Conor McGregor card. That's what you're paying for. Everything under that just doesn't matter.
2: Yeah. And you'll get your high rollers. You'll come into the front row seats and probably just take their seats before the main event. Because that's really all they've come there for. And they don't care about the rest of it. But as I say, wrestling just doesn't really work the same way. It just doesn't work in that way. So they they're kind of, yeah, undercutting a lot of the other stuff. Because straight after that package, we get a promo by Paul Heyman with Brock Lesnar. So uh, back to it again. You old man earlier on commented that you hoped there would be other um, commentary teams. But I think you see from who interviews it here (laughs) that you don't want any other commentary teams because that probably means Matt Stryker is going to be doing some commentating. I think this is
1: Matt Stryker's best work in WWE. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Because he asks one question and fucks off.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And then just gets talked to him. I, so the promo is Paul Heyman. It's going to be good. He knows how to sell onions to someone who doesn't like him. But there's the really odd lingering shot of Lesnar at the end, which is really, like. I think even he's a bit uncomfortable with it by the end.
3: It could have been worse. He could have said his, hey, Paul, say something stupid like. Yeah. Come on, just- Lesnar. Come on, man. <laughs> say something stupid. That was a <laughs> gem.
2: Maybe, maybe Lesnar thinks all promos are stupid. Maybe that's what he yeah. was referring to. Yeah, Heyman says that tonight Lesnar will finish Triple H and destroy the heart of WWE. We then um, go back to the, re- the arena and Daniel Bryan comes out to a barrage of yes chants, but he doesn't want the yes chants because he keeps chanting no back towards them. Now, this is interesting because I think that the yes chants are because people like him, not because mm-hmm. he's a heel, but... In doing the no back to them and having Michael Cole paint it as if the fans are taunting him with the S yes chance, it actually works as if he is a heel, uh, which it shouldn't do. But I think it does. It It's really odd.
1: Yeah, I could have forgotten that this actually happened. But yeah, and like they talk in the match when we get to it like about how the crowd have put him off his game. Fortunately, he's not off the game, so he can still earn some money on the side.
2: He was never on the game, old man. Take it back. (laughs) Well, to be fair, he
1: was on the game for a three count at WrestleMania 30.
2: Oh, there it is. There it is. Brings it back like the professional that he is. (laughs) He's always there. Yes. uh, Match number two is Daniel Bryan against Kane. It is eight minutes long and it ends when Kane goes for a tombstone. But Bryan counters with a small package for a pinfall
3: to get the victory. Matt, thoughts on this one? Not a lot, unfortunately. Like th- this kind of bored me, which is not something I ever thought I'd say about a Daniel Bryan match. Like you know, when I, I was, it got to the point I was trying to take notes, and I was like, something please happen so I can have something to write down. And I just felt it was kind of dull, it, you know. it it, it was they just didn't work well together. It didn't mesh. I mean, they were great as a tag team. They definitely worked well as a tag team. But as opponents, I, I just felt they really lacked chemistry. And, you know, maybe it was the size difference. I, I don't know. But it, it didn't work for me at all.
2: Mm-hmm. Old oh, man.
1: So this is King in his weird face mask, period. We yeah. had a towel King the other week when he was wearing a towel on his head. Um, I love the character King. but unfortunately I'm realizing something and that's that he's not very good he's just solid he is solid he's never going to have a great match and he's certainly not going to have a great eight minute match with someone who could bring a great match out of him I think and because of that it doesn't really get going I didn't think it felt like these were two guys that have got eight minutes and I don't think either of them was overly impressed with that so it was a case of getting and get out as fast as you can. A bit like when Daniel Bryan's on the game. <laughs> is
2: I don't know. Uh, I don't know Flashdance the film. But the reason I bring it up is because is is there something to do with welding in Flashdance? Yes, there is. Yeah, and that's what Kane's mask reminded yeah. reminded me of was Flashdance because of the <laughs> welding mask that he comes down with. Well, it's a pity it wasn't her because she's a beautiful lady. <laughs> Maybe Such it was. A- Maybe it was underneath that uh, mask. You never know. Mm. Uh, my thoughts on the match, again, I just thought it was quite good. I, didn't, I get it. I didn't think it was quite as good as the Ziggler-Jericho uh, match, but I still thought it was quite good. I thought Brian got quite a good match out of him. I thought they had a decent little go here. Don't get me wrong, I'm not going to overhype it as if it's something special. I wouldn't recommend people go out and watch it. But as a match to just keep a show going at a decent little pace and move it along... I was i was happy with this uh after the match obviously kane kind of smashes some stuff up after losing the the, the he's match
3: he's very
1: angry isn't he he yeah. loves josh matthews again, as well. Yeah.
2: yeah so again old man you uh, commented earlier that you wanted other commentators <laughs> on this show yeah. um and i will <laughs> i will point out that would probably mean joey matthews was on some commentary as well joey matthews whatever his name is what's his name? <laughs> you know it's josh <laughs> Who was Joey Matthews? That was Joey Mercury's name in ECW, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> I
3: thought you were thinking Joey Ryan for a second, then.
2: Joey Ryan? No, oh, not that dickhead. No. I, I know. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind the match. I thought it was quite good. I guess this is what leads into Kane and Daniel Bryan become a tag team as well, because Kane obviously smashes stuff up. And I think during the in the commentary during the next match, Michael Cole suggests that AJ Lee is going to do some kind of psych evaluation. <laughs> on Kane on the next on the, on tomorrow's episode of Raw. So it all kind of is leading up to Team Hell No, which is really where things really start to go, you know, in in Daniel Bryan's favor in terms of his WWE run. So I I'm, I'm I'm happy. I the other thing is I am quite biased. I'm going to like anything that Daniel Bryan does really. I just think he's so the, the the crowd reaction during this match, as I said, is confused because the fans really want they really like him. And they've, WWE have tried to rectify it, but even having Michael Cole now say that he likes Daniel Bryan, because I think partially him saying he didn't like Daniel Bryan was one of the reasons why the fans, even though he was a heel, got on board with him. But now, but now it's too late. Now it's too late to have Daniel, uh, to Michael Cole liking him. And so he's, he's just getting massive cheers, but he's doing everything he can to stay a heel. And it's, as I said, I think it just about works. It, It just about works because you feel like, they shape the narrative in such a way that kind of, yeah, he, he's, they're chanting yes because, you know, they're trying to taunt him. So
1: I just don't see how Flashdance King can be a face when he comes down with that. And that's what I didn't get mm. in this whole thing. Like, who's the face? Who's the gauntlet face? And who's the normal goat face? And who's on the game?
2: Nobody is on the game, old man. You're on the game. Matt's on the game. We know that. This isn't an episode of The Wire, okay? There's no, there's nobody on the game in this show.
1: Is this not Band of Gold?
2: <laughs> what a reference that is. Uh, I honestly thought that I was the only person my age who even knew Band of Gold because I uh, watched it when it was actually on on TV. My mum let me watch it and she I should would. never let me have watch it. We would have been about 13. I know. No, not even. We were about 11, 10, 10, 11 we were. Oh, and there's no way fun. I should have been allowed to watch it, but I did. Early Samantha Morton, that was. I was
3: yeah. about to say, yeah, you're definitely losing me now. Band of Gold, but yeah,
2: yeah. not. Yeah, it's ITV drama series, like 93, 4, something around that, around that time. Yeah, about, about a group of prostitutes.
1: Sounds great. I'll check it
2: out. It's yeah. very good, <laughs> if you can see it. Well,
1: it's actually um, an early life story for Daniel Bryan, but they just changed the sex to cover his identity.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Then we get Rey Mysterio coming down to the ring and he does his head meeting thing with oh, some Oh
3: which is always
2: just,
3: lovely. I find it weird.
2: <laughs> no, I I agree with old man. I think it's lovely and also very, very smart because he's incentivizing people to go out and buy his merch. Yep.
1: It's so That's, clever. I'll give you
2: that. It's so clever. He just he comes down, and then if you, you 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 not only do you want to buy a ticket in the front row because you want to be able to you know speak to have Ray Mysterio say something to you quietly, but also you know buy the mat so that he notices you and goes do it. It's it's just very clever. It's Ray Mysterio. He's just a he's a genius. The man's a genius. Do
1: you think that he was whispering to the kids? Daniel
3: Bryan's on the game. If you don't <laughs> want some. <laughs> What if any of these kids are, like, really shy or something, though, and he just puts this child's face right in his? I just, I just think, no, it's, it's a bad idea. It's not
1: the level of 1991 bushwhackers <laughs> when they were licking children's faces. I suppose we do have um, we have different levels, don't we? Because I saw that when I was a kid, and I was like, ah, oh, that's lovely, and now I watch him and go, New Zealand men licking children. And now I'm like... <laughs> A man in a mask putting his head next to another person with a mask. And also the parents, I tell you, what, they're feeding these kids up, aren't they? They're holding them up. They're like, come on, buddy, rub your head on my kid. Rub your on my kid. I want some Daniel Bryan.
2: So what you're saying is Ray Mysterio is Daniel Bryan's pimp. And the way he shops him out is through the children of the parents. <laughs> it's she, the yeah.
1: perfect, the perfect cloy.
2: I I think Matt's lost for words this week. I think he says, what do I do with these two dickheads?
3: (laughs) Well, I I, I am still shocked about Daniel Bryan being on the game. Who knew? Well, and and also, let's be honest, you're
1: thinking, do you reckon he's still on the game?
2: (laughs) And how high end is he? That's the other thing. Yeah,
1: because that would be one heck of a notch on the bedpost.
2: I love it. It's a mess this week. It really is. Um, We then get the third match, which is The Miz defending his Intercontinental title against Rey Mysterio. The ending of this one sees Rey Mysterio hit the 6-1-9, but then miss the splash, which is his kind of finish to pin him. Then Miz goes for a skull-crushing finale, but Mysterio reverses it into a roll-up for a near fall. Miz then drops Mysterio onto the top rope and hits a skull-crushing finale for the pin. Old Man, your thoughts on this one?
1: This is decent, this, because and I know we uh, made light of it, but one Roman Sir is always going to be a face. But he does the little thing with the kids' heads. And, you know, instantly, he's the face. You know from... Oh, they they bring out the awful, awesome letters, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, just like, just piling heat on heat for The Miz. And you know exactly who they are. The Miz... I can't remember when he got very good, but he's very good in this. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows how to wind the crowd up. And I think this is the thing. They they get the crowd involved more than anyone else has so far. I think apart from the no chant, uh, the yes and the no's, that's all very like, that's like the, this is awesome two minutes into an absolutely crap match that the crowd do now. To me, that was what that was, the yes chant. But these two get them going. They've got a nice little, nice little bit of chemistry. And this is where I think, you know what, I think this is going to pick up. I'm excited. I'm excited. Suddenly, I'm putting my tenor away. I don't need Daniel Bryan quite yet, but I might need him for the main event. A tenor? You're fucking joking, aren't you? I don't know. He wasn't that big at this point, was he? So I'll say, well, I'm looking for 2012 prices, man. You're such a size queen, old man. <laughs> size queen? What the fuck does that mean?
2: It means you love a big dick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, you got me there <laughs> <laughs> Matt, your thoughts on this
3: <laughs> Yeah, well, let's, let, let's try and follow that, shall I? Uh, do you know what? This match was awesome Pun intended I, I loved it I was genuinely quite shocked At how much I enjoyed it Now, correct me if I'm wrong Miz and Rey Mysterio Have they wrestled that often before? Don't know do I, I know it It felt like a fresh match, which is the one thing that sort of stuck out to me straight away. I thought, surely these, you know, given how long they've both been in the business and how long they've been on Raw, SmackDown, or whatever, they're bound to have wrestled a thousand times at least against each other. But it felt fresh. And the entire story of the match for me was just how awesome Ravis Mysterio is. He really is incredible. Like, you know, he made, I think he made Miz look Fantastic, throughout this. I mean, he was just bouncing around for you know for Miz. Miz was catching him with you know cool moves off top rows, power bombs here and there. Ray was great. Miz was great to be fair as well. And you know it, for me, this was one of the matches of the night. I thought it was excellent. So I I think this was
2: fine again and on the par with what we've seen so far. So I I'm kind of like all three matches. I'm like I really like the start of this. I thought the Jericho Ziggler match was. Really decent. Daniel Bryan and Kane was perfectly fine. This was perfectly fine. The issue I had with it, partially, was that I'm a big fan of The Miz, but I do think that he is a little bit... I don't know what the word is. he He's a little bit pedestrian sometimes in his matches, I find. And he never really gets out of second gear, ever. But he's great at getting the reaction. He's great at being a heel not good at being a baby face never go back to being a babyface, face the miz no. <laughs> but in terms of his in ring this was part of the course for the miz so, and again i said it i think during the 2006 payback 2016 payback show that we watched the miz in a mid card title match <laughs> happens so fucking often <laughs> during like the last 8 years it's ridiculous he's probably faced Everybody who's been in WWE in some kind of mid-card title match at some point there is the Miz. It's just ridiculous. But it was fine. And again, I thought the first three matches, nothing massively special, but all perfectly decent, perfectly fine. And I'm enjoying the show up to this point. We then get an advert for the WWE app, which was really strange because here I am, you know, nine years later watching the show from an app beamed onto my television and um obviously it now carries mr technology over there (laughs) bloody hell
1: oh here i am i've got my phone in me. and i'm watching it on
2: the telly shut up (laughs) i feel i feel ashamed um (laughs) We then see, I'm not even going to go into what I was going to talk about a minute, a minute ago. Oh,
1: no, no, please do, please do. I'm only any, I'm any Joshua with you.
2: No, fuck it, you, you lost know, it.
1: can afford the technologies from the money from being on the game. <laughs> now Matt's calling you a prostitute. <laughs> this know, is, ta- this know. is taking a dark turn. Matt, I'm just trying to have a good time with Daniel Bryan's ass. <laughs>
2: Moving on, we see Teddy Long and Eve Torres coming out of AJ Lee's office. Um, Long says that Lee is doing a very good job of managing Raw, to which Torres does not seem particularly sure of. Anyway, they move on. We never hear anything else about that, so fuck (laughs) is what that's about. CM Punk then arrives and walks into the office. He says to AJ Lee that putting a champion in a match for the title where he can lose the bout without being beaten is unfair and speculates that the reason he's been put in the match is because AJ Lee proposed to him, but he said no. AJ Lee doesn't say a thing. She just stares off into the distance, seemingly not listening to Punk. This is all very odd. This whole thing is just very odd. It's
1: just... Nice and weird, isn't it? It don't I don't I don't get it. I don't get it at all to be honest. I, don't, I can remember the um the proposal bit. Everyone was getting proposed to everyone. No one proposed to me, a bit disappointed. But yeah, it's just a bit like, oh, what's going on? But then I quite like the thought that Punk and AJ Lee, obviously married now. I believe they were together at this point. Just like the fact that they're just being weird. And probably just being weird for being weird's sake.
2: It Just was a strange time in AJ Lee's career because she had been in a relationship with Daniel Bryan in the story. And then. Kind hang of, on,
1: hang on, hang on. Sorry. She'd paid for Daniel Bryan's services. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then she'd been fought over between her and uh, between Daniel Bryan and Kane. Then there'd been the wedding in which she then revealed that she wasn't saying I do to Daniel Bryan when Daniel Bryan asked her to marry him. Uh, she was saying, "I do" to the proposal Vince McMahon gave her, which was to be Raw General Manager. That was on Raw 1000, I believe, that had just recently taken place before this. And now there was this whole thing going on between AJ Lee and CM Punk. So it was all, and and I don't remember how this particular bit ends because it's not long after this that she just starts wrestling um and yeah. becomes just an active competitor. So. On, on the main roster. So it's it's just all over the place. They this whole issue, they just seem to race through about four years worth of stories with AJ Lee at this period of time. Did,
3: did anybody realise that CM Punk was the heel here? No.
2: Not really, no.
3: No. no. Me neither. Like, I, I remembered um, his heel turn on The Rock on Raw 1000. And I was thinking, for the life of me, I was like, I'm sure he's a heel here. And I just couldn't tell. It took me ages to, to kind of pick it up.
1: Well, this is a problem running through the whole show. I think where you just don't. Who is anyone?
2: Daniel Bryan's a prostitute. Kane is in flash <laughs> yeah. dance. I mean, what the hell's going <laughs> on? <laughs> yeah, like,
1: no, yeah, no. This was my fear when I when I watched the premiere video, is that it would feel like it had been cobbled together, probably on a napkin about ten minutes before the show started, in true WCW style, and there wouldn't be any defined even characters. I think and. Any feuds, like, at least the last match was for a title. So there's a reason for them to be having a scrap. The other two, ultimately, who
2: cares? Well, you wanted characters and you wanted storylines. And so WWE deliver with the video package hyping up Sheamus versus Alberto Del Rio for the world yes. heavyweight title. The video package sees Del Rio calling Sheamus a peasant. And then Sheamus ah. steals Del Rio's car. And he then takes it on a joyride spills some stuff on it and then brings it back to del rio messed up um then del rio and a group of men who are dressed up as policemen attack seamus on smackdown
1: i thought the village people were here and i thought <laughs> we're in for a fucking show here but it wasn't the village people because they didn't dance crap okay.
2: how dare they well if you want <laughs> dancing old man there's plenty of that coming up so just stay with us and we'll become we'll oh
3: yeah.
2: any thoughts on the packet on this video package matthew
3: It it, it was fine. I mean, like like the one thing that that really struck me is like, I can. the one thing that I will say, I completely forgot that these two feuded over the world title. Like, I actually sort of put multiple exclamation marks going, this is a world title match. Really Mm. surprised
1: me. Well, I think that's the problem is that Sheamus isn't seemingly interested in the title. He just got called a peasant so he stole his car, which is kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. But, it doesn't highlight the title in any way, shape or form, which I thought, come on, come on, lads.
2: Seamus so, stealing Alberto Del Rio's car because Del Rio called him a peasant is kind of on a par with JBL beating up the blue meanie because the blue meanie called him a bully.
1: <laughs> yeah, and also the mess that Seamus gets that car in. I don't know what he's been doing. If To be honest, if I'd stolen someone's car and I wanted to piss him off, I'd Have a little wank in the glove compartment, that's why. I do. That'd do me Love the old job. I'd probably ask Daniel Bryan to have a little tug in the back seat,
2: <laughs> but you can't just ask him. There's a fee, and you need to pay it, to pay my... it.
1: <laughs> Well, it depends how much it is because I don't know how much I want this title, and evidently I'm a peasant, so I might not have that much money. It
2: better be more it's... than a tenner, I can tell you that.
1: I'm <laughs> um, might stretch to 11 or 12, but I ain't really gone past. Hang on, are we talking dollars or pounds? <laughs>
2: I think he probably only deals with dollars, to be honest.
1: Yeah, he probably does cheap cheapskate. But
2: yeah, this um, yeah, this video package is very flat. <laughs> it's an 11-minute contest. It ends when this is a bit of a convoluted ending. So give me a second, and I'll try and figure out <laughs> how to explain it. So Del Rio hits an integrity for a false finish, but when uh, Seamus kicks out, Del Rio gets angry and pulls R- Ricardo Roberto. What's his name? Yeah, Ricardo. Ricardo Rodriguez uh, <laughs> into the ring. As the referee's trying to escort Rodriguez back out of the ring, he throws a shoe towards Del Rio, but Seamus manages to intercept it. He hits Del Rio with it, and then he hits a backbreaker, Urinagi kind of mix of a move, which I don't know if he's got a special name for it, but that's how it's, I it's, it. it's the
1: Celtic cross, is it? Or there... It's the Irish, the Irish curse. And that's it. Lovely.
2: Lovely. Um, and then he pins him. Uh, Del Rio's foot, however, is on the rope during the pin, but the referee doesn't see it. And Seamus pulls the foot off of the rope straight after. God, old man's pulling all kinds of faces in.
1: Oh, <laughs> so so what we've got here, we've got Del Rio's music. Unbelievable. Great music. Lovely. I wish he stopped beeping this bloody car on. <laughs> I want to listen to the music. And also, like, we know you're here. We can see the car don't need it anyway so they start with some urgency finally finally there are not there feels like a match that's got something on it something properly on it which as we said the video doesn't really work i think this is actually quite good given the time that they've got the crowd are into it. when del rio puts the cross arm break on the crowd pop for it like i don't really understand why to be honest it's just arm bar really but they love it they can't get up with it and the finish the bit with the shoe is so well done. I reckon they could do it a hundred times and they will not get it as right because Del Rio fumbles to catch the shoe and it falls into Sheamus' hands and he's not even looking. I was like, this is lovely. And he hits him with the shoe and then he does the Irish curse backbreaker and then he wins in that stupid way where his leg's on the rope. And it's like, why are you having a face who you've already built up. So this is a thing on commentary. The commentary is getting to me now because it's really poor. And they're putting over how nice Seamus is. They're a nice man. Tell you what, he's rough in the ring, but you see him outside, Why say hello to anyone. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. He could be a horrible cunt. That's not going to make me like him anymore. He's just stolen someone's car. He's had a jizz in the bloody glove box. <laughs> Weird video. Good match. Terrible finish. I just need to go and have a lie down It's it's not going well.
3: <laughs> oh see, that's interesting. Though I, I actually had mixed feelings on this, I gotta be honest. Um I, I wanted to like it more because I, I quite like Del Rio. As a persona, he seems like he should have been much bigger than he was. Like, I, I don't know if any of you guys can remember um his sort of debut promos, you know, when, when yeah. he was actually coming coming to SmackDown. I remember those so well because I thought this guy is gonna be a big deal. His promo packages he just came across like a star. And, you know, you said it there, oh man, you know, his entrance comes out, his entrance is great. And you know, the, the match was good. It, it was definitely quite stiff. Uh, you know, I I did find that it was quite hard hit in throughout, so no complaints there. And it was all going quite well. And then we got to the absolute shit show that was the finish. Didn't rate the finish in the slightest. I, I'm not sure if they did something afterwards where, um, you know, they said that. Um, help me out. What was out his ring announcer's name again? I've forgotten. <laughs> it, it, it's Roberto Robertson. <laughs> it's,
2: no, Do you know don't what? be silly, old man. It's Ricardo. Ricardo. Oh, oh yeah,
3: sorry. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just gonna go Ricardo because I couldn't remember. I was gonna say Roberto, but I thought I'd check. Um yeah, I can't remember if they sort of did anything with Ricardo and you know, like said that it was all planned in advance because it looked like Del Rio was turning on him and, and all that. But yeah, it the finish just felt really flat. I mean, yeah, for Seamus meant to be the babyface, you know, supposed to be proud of a of a hard-earned victory. He looked like a cocky little shit as soon as he took Del Rio's foot off the ropes. Was smiling sarcastically at the ramp and even shrugged. He was like, "Eh, whatever. I still leave world champ. Who gives a shit?" And
1: also, the finish is so telegraphed because he checks which leg he grabs. He there's just yeah, that he moment did. hesitation, and as we know in wrestling, there's all those
2: small things. and um, yeah, I'm gonna give you a different perspective on on the end of the match because I didn't I didn't feel like this was Sheamus. I, I get what you're saying, but I felt like instead of it being a case of Seamus looking weak because he's cheated to win, it was a Seamus looks smarter and outsmarts the heel who has tried to cheat and he's just ba- basically beating him at his own game. And I think that that's a underrated quality uh, that we get with our baby faces in modern wrestling is they don't outsmart heels often enough. They often look stupid and it just that undercuts who the baby faces as well so I quite like the fact that he was allowed to outsmart the heel which as I said just simply doesn't happen enough in modern pro wrestling but I just didn't really like the match that much well I said I didn't like it again I, just, I thought it was fine but again I just felt like it's at that same level that we've had nearly the whole show which is just it's okay it's, it's sort of and I think my biggest gripe here is I don't like to say it because I think he's fine as a, a talent but Sheamus, I just have never really had any investment in. I just struggle so much to care one way or the other, whether he wins or loses matches. I never look forward to a match involving Sheamus. I know that sounds really awful. And in fairness, he had a really good match at WrestleMania this year, like a, a fantastic match with whoever it was. Now I can't even remember it was that he had this match with at WrestleMania, but it was excellent. Whoever it was with, it was excellent. Was it Riddle? Maybe? I can't remember. Yes,
1: it was. It was very good, yeah.
2: But that hasn't changed my perspective. I still will go into a match where Sheamus is involved and be like, oh, okay, here we go, Sheamus. And it's not like I'm like, oh, I hate him. I don't want to see him on the screen. It's not like that. i just completely indifferent.
1: I think I can get that. He's not someone I look for if I'm going to watch a wrestling card. And then if he's there, I'm like, we're going to be all right, boys. We're going to be A-OK. There's a big Sheamus match. Who's he fighting? doesn't matter he could just be pouring himself out with daniel bryan on the street corner
3: and i'll bloody love it do you know what i, I think it's probably because he's been in the same position for years now mm. like I, I can't i can't remember the yuri debut i mean he, what was it 20 2009 2010 so something around about that time and You know, aside from a brief run at the top every now and again, he's been in the same slot, doing the same things. The the closest thing he's done to a change, it was changing his hairstyle, you know, and braiding his beard. But that's as close as he got to being any different. And otherwise, it's just, eh, okay, you come, Seamus, he's dependable, you know, you, you'll probably have a half-decent, possibly good match and, you know, we'll get through it, it'll be okay, and, and that's it, and it's been that way for years now. Yeah, I yeah. think I'd
2: rather him just be not, for, I I think that's the problem, he's just, he's too competent to stand out as someone I don't want to see, but he's not interesting enough to be someone I want to see. <laughs>
1: he He's the kind of guy that, to your point Matt, that They know he'll have an right match. He isn't gonna hurt anyone. And then they can move on with their life and they can move on to the next feud. I think that I think he's probably helped elevate a few guys, but he's not the guy, is he, that's gonna push you through. He's no big show. (laughs) (laughs) I can say with a straight face. (laughs) I was gonna I was gonna make a joke, but I can sorry, sorry, Paul White.
2: Let's um let's let's take a, a brief uh, break right there um and come back in just a moment and hopefully after the break it won't continue to be all about the game. It'll be about something else. Maybe Triple H, who knows? We'll see you in a second.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Rock Lesnar. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. And I am the advocate for the most destructive, the most dominant, the most decorated athlete in the history of WWE, Brock Lesnar. Now, earlier this evening, my client's opponent, Triple H, used his influence to convince a referee to use his discretion. My client's opponent, Triple H, said, and I repeat this to you verbatim, this is a fight, a fight, to the finish. The key word there is finish, because tonight Brock Lesnar will finish Triple H and break the spirit of WWE. Triple H, this is a fight you cannot win. And if you ain't down with that, we have two words for you. Tap
2: Okay, so welcome back to the show. Now, before we go any further, I wanted to give Matt a chance to plug himself in terms of where he can be found on social media. I'll and whether... We <laughs> a <all> shenanigans. i <laughs> <laughs> whether there was anything else he wanted to plug as I completely forgot about it last
3: time. It's all good, guys. You, you can find me at MattRob90 uh, Matt on Twitter. Um, I will happily chat with all like-minded wrestling fans. you want to talk movies, I'm your guy. Go for it. But if you want to have loads and loads of debates about Eddie Guerrero as well, I am also your guy, at at Matt Rod90 on Twitter.
2: Mm, Yeah, I know. I nearly had to ban him from coming on the show after his (laughs) his tweets about Eddie Guerrero. Um, You're not allowed to say anything bad about Eddie Guerrero. It's not an as unpopular opinion as you think. No, I don't think it is. I think it's just one that you're not allowed to say so you know (laughs) we nearly had to cancel you from the show
1: to be honest if i'd known i would have been very indifferent about it (laughs) and now i'm getting that now i'm getting all those emotions flowing through me now
2: So, the next thing on the show, we're back to Triple H and Brock Lesnar because we see footage of Triple H talking to Scott Armstrong backstage in the summers during the SummerSlam pre-show. Um, Triple H tells him that there isn't going to be any DQs or countouts in his match with Brock Lesnar tonight, and he asks him to let them fight.
1: So he's t- tapered up his hand while he's doing this in a quite aggressive manner. Two things hurt his hand, possibly could be the Triple H in his name. And secondly, He's taping his hand up awfully early, isn't he? I mean, if this was in the (laughs) pre-show, three hours before. So I did a long walk for charity the other week. Well, it would have been about a month ago by the time this comes out. And uh, I had some tape on my foot. And it was not very comfortable after an hour or so. And it really dried out the skin. So Triple H's hands, he must moisturise. Coming back to our Nivea shout from, uh, from Matt's last appearance. You must go through it like Daniel Bryan goes through K.Y. Jelly.
3: <laughs> See, I'm going to stick up for Triple H here, actually. And again, this is coming from a slight MMA, uh, UFC mentality. This was, what, about halfway through the show? Maybe just over halfway, something mm. like that? You know, guys on, like, the early undercard in the UFC, like, they'll arrive at the arena hours before. There'll be footage of them in the back, taping their fists, doing warm-ups, doing their exercises. So, uh, I imagine this would be around about the right time, to be honest. It's well, good well, to know. Well, don't forget though, Matt, he's d- this is footage
2: from the pre-show. This isn't now. This is footage from the pre-show. So, it okay. is about two hours or two and a half hours before the match.
3: Then, yeah, Admittedly, that's incredibly stupid. And I take it
2: <laughs> <all>. <laughs> Yes, that's I all- think that is important context, quite frankly. You get a lot of bad acting
1: in wrestling.
2: No!
3: Of course you've done, sacrilege.
1: I think Scott Armstrong gives one of the worst performances of anyone sitting still I've ever seen. (laughs) He looks like he's holding in a fart. (laughs) And he's just there, and he just gives like these little quiet nods to Triple H when he's saying, he's going, yeah. And, I mean, if Tommy were here, he'd be absolutely fuming with this because he hates Scott Armstrong, thinks he's an awful referee, to be fair, probably right. But uh, not a good actor, not a good referee. When your main job is refereeing, which involves some acting, he's not doing well, is he? No. Perhaps he used to get on the game.
2: <laughs> he's never going to let it go. It's going to be
3: running throughout no,
2: this fucking show today.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we haven't even had the
3: game yet. Hey, I tell you what, though, of all one of the worst, you know, talking about all time, worst acting wrestling performances, especially while well, sitting still, I would say anything to do with Mike Adamley would have taken the cake. So I'll take Scott Armstrong over Mike Adamley (laughs) any day.
2: Problem is, though, Mike Adamley, for all his faults, didn't have a clue what the fuck was going on. Didn't know anything about wrestling before he came into WWE. And in fairness, was destined for failure from the very beginning. Scott Armstrong His entire family, as we know from the fucking show we did two weeks ago, his entire family are kind of deep invested in this shit. He should be able to hold his own in a little talking segment where he doesn't have to do anything. He just has to nod his head a couple of times.
3: Yeah, that's fair. His family are kind of balls deep in wrestling. So, yeah. They certainly are.
2: We then get a, a picture of Kofi Kingston on the international tour in Shanghai, which is to set up the reason why our truth is on his own on Raw when the primetime players attack him, which leads into our next match. It is Kofi Kingston and our truth against the primetime players. It is a Seven-minute match, and it ends when Kofi Kingston hits a big crossbody onto Titus O'Neil outside the ring. And then in the ring, our truth hits, and I quote, because this is my notes, a move and pins yes. Darren Young. <laughs> No idea what this fucking move is. I don't know what the generic name for it is. I don't know what our truths name for it is, if he even has a name for it. He just flops to the ground, and that's the move, yeah. and that's how it ends. Matt, your thoughts on this one?
3: So, you know, I decided to call the flop to the ground a face because I could think of nothing else. Hmm. I, I literally wrote down R-Truth hits some form of face plant. I was like, I'll do. But for me, th- one of the funniest things of this match, which I, I think you might have missed at the start – if anybody can remember the massive success that was Tout. If you remember the clip of Tout they showed at the start yes. of this. Oh my God, was that awful when they tried to get that off the ground. What What is Tout? That's one of the questions I had about Tout. Did you not remember it right, when they used to talk? I think it was, it's kind of like Twitter, except in a shorter version. It was... If I remember rightly, it was like a 10, 20 second video clip that you post on a social media platform like Twitter and WWE had had bought part of it and at least for a year straight. They were really trying to promote it, and it never went anywhere, funnily enough. I do
2: seem to, now you mention that, I didn't know at the time when I was watching this, but now you spoke about it, there is a vague memory of it I have, but yeah, not not very vivid anyway.
3: Mm. Yeah, it was, it, it was bad, but uh, the, the the match itself, I mean, it, it was okay. I mean, if, if anything, I think it was made abundantly clear that Kofi Kingston was seen as the star of this match. Uh, I mean, it was weird to to see him with his Jamaican music, you know, <laughs> again, yeah. Um, you know, to, to see that. But, you know, it, it was, what can you say about it? It was fine. Kofi was the star. Archer was one with the face plant. Primetime players, eh, that's about it.
1: To be honest, he's put out about as eloquently as I could. <laughs> so, <laughs> You, you're not starting very well to be honest Kofi and R-Truth come down together which means we don't get the R-Truth rap How oh dare they deprive us of that well to be honest I knew what this was going to be as much as I, I really liked I O'Neill seems like a lovely man always liked Darren Young R-Truth's fine like Kofi this is like four people who haven't met and then just decide to roll around on the floor together like their cats
2: is it like this a is- Daniel Bryan business transaction then <laughs>
1: It's it's not because I didn't see any penetration, although that may have been the move that our truth was doing. <laughs> Perhaps he was laying the truth in Darren Young's mouth.
3: <laughs> Please let that move be called the penetration.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that, that that joke may come across quite poor because Darren Young is gay, isn't
2: he? Yes, is, but no, I, th- yeah. I think it was it was clear that you're you just you're just yeah. on a roll with this fucking yeah. horrible <laughs> shit that you keep talking about.
1: I had um a very meh match won by a move which I don't understand. So I'm glad neither of you know <laughs> what it was. Because I watched the replay and I was like, no, still don't understand it. I've got to be honest, Del Rio and Sheamus was a false storm. I'm, I'm back in the doldrums here. We've had a crap segment with Triple H and Scott Armstrong. We've had a really poor match during which Titus didn't even go, he only does it once. (laughs) He needs to do that at least four times a match to make it anything worth going. And yet, oh, not not good, not good here, lads. Oh,
2: that's That's killed (laughs) me. (laughs) Can you do it one more time for us, old man?
3: You (laughs) said,
2: It's such, its such a shame that the listeners can't also see you doing the hand gesture that he does.
3: He's just I guess, like a psychotic dog.
2: Because <laughs> that does make it honestly. Seeing the video of it would would make it. I may—I may see if I can capture the video and obviously pixel out your face, old man, because yeah. no, no yeah, one you wants to see you know that.
1: You know well, the trouble is, you know what? I'll Daniel Bryan be turning up at me house. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I'm touting for business. No pun intended. <laughs> come in. can I come in? Look me me, have only got a flavour? I'll do anything. <laughs> That's the attitude I don't want. Get out.
2: So, um no, I I'm I'm with you on this one. Up to this point, I'm kind Finally, of
1: like... you've dragged you down to our level, you know,
3: shit breath. <laughs> I know, something to... so positive.
2: <laughs> I know it's terrible, isn't it? It's not really my role either, to be honest. But yeah, I've I've been relatively up on this show in general uh, until this point. The, each of the matches have been perfectly fine. This one's just a bit throwaway, a bit pointless. Is a bit messy. It doesn't thankfully last too long. I mean, it's a time when obviously the tag team titles were in a bit of uh, the doldrums themselves because I mean, our truth is perfectly fine, but he is not meant to be involved in anything serious, is he? Really? Let's be honest. He's just he's just a joke kind of act and that's fine and he does it really well and I'm happy for him but I don't need to see him anywhere near any titles unless it's the 24-7 title which is fine you can be near that because that's a joke title in itself and the primetime players we've talked about these before because we saw them at Elimination Chamber 2015 I don't, I don't know why they just kept breaking them up and putting them back together they can't do any they're not good enough let's be honest to do and to have really good singles runs they are perfectly adequate in a tag team let them stay in the tag team and just be a competent little duo that you can have come in and do what they do. But they just kept breaking up as if Titus O'Neill was going to be some kind of star. Like, no, he's not. And also,
1: I was watching this. I was like, oh, someone's missing from Titus. He hasn't even exploded both his knees about eight times at this point, And he's still bloody
2: awful. So up after this match is a video package of SummerSlam Access and the one year anniversary of the Be A Star campaign, which includes a lovely party. There's all kinds of people having a good time at that party. We see that Ryan Lochte is there and Piers Morgan, um, among some other famous people, because after Ryan Lochte, I've got to be honest, I lost (laughs) interest in who the rest of the stars were because I had no fucking clue who any of them were. (laughs) Who is it? Who's Ryan Lochte? I don't know, but I thought it was oh, quite well. good saying his name.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, good to see renowned bully Piers Morgan at an anti-bullying event. Yep. Or an utter piece of shit. Yeah. And I also know, Dan, that I had no idea most of the celebs were, but this does come after the hospital stuff, where the superstars go and see the sickly kids. Oh,
3: yeah. Which
1: is always lovely. I do always think it's very cheap to have the cameras there, but the kids don't give a fuck. They're having the time of their lives. I was like, you know what? That's what it's about. And this, this is where Sheamus excels, I reckon. Probably. But because he's, a, as we know from the commentary on the match, he's a nice man. I'll tell you one there, Daniel Bryan. And you know why? <laughs> Not he appropriate. he was working. That's why. He <laughs> was working. <right? laughs> working. He was bloody sucking off probably one or two of the dads in the toilets. <laughs>
2: The, I'm going to give you the WWE line for why they do put the cameras on this stuff because I seem to remember I can't remember it was but somebody spoke about this in regards to Vince McMahon. So apparently <clears throat> Vince McMahon had always been quite had always wanted to be quite private about the charity work that the company did until a certain point when it was suggested to him that if they made a big deal out of it, it would make the charities more money mm. because they would get the. They would get the press and the attention, and so he he started allowing this stuff to happen. Now that's the party line. I don't know if that's actually true. I'm just giving you the WWE's party line about why, as you said, old man, they're a little bit they're a bit quick to show this stuff whenever they can.
1: Do you think the uh, hospital charity paid for the party that they had with the crap celebrities? <laughs> Oh, there is, um, the guy DJing is Paulie D from the Jersey Shore. And this is a guy that Tommy would have lost his shit for because he bloody <laughs> loves the Jersey Shore.
2: <laughs> I bet Matt loves the Jersey
3: Shore as well, do not you? God oh, can't stick it. No, not for me one bit.
2: More of a TOWIE guy then. Do you know any type of like
3: reality TV like that? I, I just can't get behind. How about the what is it? Was it like the
1: middle-aged women that are wives of Cheshire? How
2: about that? <laughs> the Real Housewives of Cheshire. <laughs> That's it. Thank you.
3: See know if there's a show called the Middle-aged Wives of Cheshire, that that sounds interesting. Right? See, I bet He's it does. Bloody, bloody hell.
2: We <laughs> know. <laughs> we know. We know. We know what uh, Matt's fetish is, don't we? Who knows? <laughs> Okay. Mid-Leaves Wives from
3: Cheshire. <laughs> the Cheshire, that caught my
2: attention. Well, they are... <laughs> so up next is a video package hyping the WWE title match that's coming up. It um, charts CM Punk's title run, stretching back to the previous year's Survivor Series. It also shows CM Punk's heel turn on the rock at Rule 1000, which we discussed earlier on, which leads to our world title match, which is CM Punk versus John Cena versus uh, The Big Show in a triple threat match. So we get a couple of ends or a couple of finishes in this particular match. The first one sees John Cena and CM Punk simultaneously lock submission holds onto the Big Show, leading to the Big Show tapping and the bell ringing. But there is confusion over who has won the match. This brings AJ Lee to the ring. Um, She comes in and grabs a microphone and very, very slowly, eventually orders the match to be restarted. Big Show then chokeslams both uh, Cena and Punk and goes for the pin on Cena. But Cena kicks out. Punk then also kicks out from a from a pinfall. Cena then hits the attitude adjustment on the Big Show. But Punk pushes Cena out of the ring and then pins the Big Show to retain the belt. Old man. What do you think of this one?
1: Not bad. Not the biggest fan of triple threat matches. Certainly not the biggest fan of triple threat matches involving the Big Show because you know what's going to happen. But to their credit, they don't actually do this. They don't double team him. He puts in one heck of a shift, the Big Show, in this. I was very impressed. He manages not to blow up after two minutes, which is not Daniel Bryan's 40, I can tell you. And uh, I thought this was all right. I didn't really go a lot on the little bit with the double submission but i think the action around that which is effectively paul white walking around beating cena and punk up in turn and kind of doing the same moves on on both of them i thought was quite effective i i don't mind the end because of how they've kind of laid it out but i do think that it, it doesn't work very well because i might make this point in the promo Uh, With AJ Lee. I didn't know if Punk was a heel or not. I couldn't figure it out and I still couldn't figure it out after the finish happens. And just to nail down, I mean, this is some of the worst commentary I've heard on any show to this point. The commentators do not, they do not make it clear who we should be disappointed with or who we should be happy for. Well, we should definitely be disappointed for John Cena. If this was big match John, he'd have to wipe the floor with him, but he's not in that phase at the moment. A decent match, I think. We won't go any less than decent. As I said, for a triple threat, commentary is bloody awful, but it's definitely a step up.
3: Matt? Yeah, um, decent is probably the word that um that I'd say really. Um, as, as far as to to your point about um, you know, what, CM Punk whether or not he was a heel, there, I, I love CM Punk. I got you know, I'll, I'll put that out there straight away. But I, I do kind of feel the part of the blame for that should go on to Punk himself because it's not like he was doing anything to to make you think that he was a heel. I you know, like I even broke down and double underlined it at one point. Punk is a total babyface here. Like the crowd was. One hundred percent, I felt behind him. It looked like he was the baby face of the match. I mean, okay, Cena got his normal—you know—the kids and the women would cheer for him, the men would boo him, as you know, as he would have around that time. But Punk was totally cheered, so it, it was really confusing. So that that felt like a bit of a disconnect. The, the the double submission finish. I do wish that John Cena would have made the STF look a little bit better. I know that's a great <laughs> that a lot of people. have because he couldn't put it on properly as well because Punk had the submission on Big Show as well and he had to have it sort of higher up. It looked worse, so that kind of took me out a little bit. But I do kind of think they hit the right finish, like with, uh, with Punk throwing Cena out at the end and immediately getting the pin. Loved that finish. Finally, you could tell who was the heel, you know, Cena had a valid excuse to come back, which if I remember, I'm sure they did a month later. I think it was like Champions, the next paper. Um, So it worked, you know. And, and to your point, Big Show did put in quite possibly the most work that, that he'd done in quite a while. So did, yeah, like you said, decent. Yeah, that, that's probably the best way to describe it.
2: Yeah, I really like this. I really like this. I was surprised by it as well, because I thought that To your point, old man, that what was going to happen is that Big Show would dominate for a minute, then Cena and CM Punk would do something that would take him out of the game, and then the two of them would face each other off for the rest of the match. And I'm really pleased he didn't go there. They really went in a completely different direction and had Big Show effectively just dominate the whole match. And take it in turns with both of them to just dominate CM Punk for a bit and then then go to Cena for a bit. I thought it was just really well done and just quite different to what I was expecting. And, and, there, and therefore it just really captured my imagination as they were going. The other thing I agree with you, I'm not a fan of triple threat matches at all. But one of the reasons, one of the many, but one of the reasons I dislike triple front matches is that their tendency to create convoluted triple spots, if you like, where mm. they have one person do something. And, and you often find it, especially with like your Cruiserweight or X Division style matches, they're just constantly coming up with really convoluted things that, whilst they look quite spectacular, you can't believe in at all. They're so unbelievable that you just kind of, it loses me most of the time. Here, the bits where they did Spots where there were more than one person involved all felt really organic to me. They all felt like they made sense. They worked. They didn't go against the grain and didn't make me take me out of the moment. They really felt like they worked. And so I just really liked the match. I didn't really see the point in the double submission finish. If you're going to do it, end the match with the double submission. Like, I don't see the point in doing it and then restarting the match. What what Mm. was the point in that bit? didn't get that at all I don't know why you wouldn't just go you know jump over that bit and just go straight to the finish that you've got which I really liked as well I really like the idea of CM um, of Cena doing the um, attitude adjustment and then CM Punk pushing him out taking the victory for himself the commentator saying that Cena did all the work but Punk took the victory I just thought that was really good but I also think you're absolutely right Matt CM Punk is not he's sending mixed messages at the very least about whether he's a heel because he when he bursts into AJ Lee's office earlier in the show he does say something about the ill-informed fans so he is kind of giving us a vibe that he is against them but then during the match he plays up to them he's almost acting like the baby face in front of the crowd and trying to get them to cheer for him so i think there is a problem there but I guess maybe at the time we were a little bit less, we we're a bit more forgiving because obviously most people just couldn't stand John Cena at this point in time. And I think he'd got to the point where he's wearing, you know, it was just like, he'd just been there for so long and you were just asking for anything else. And punk was kind of an antidote to that. So Yeah, I think that is a problem. But overall, I just thought this was a really well thought through match. I thought it was longer than 12 minutes, to be honest, which is how long it was, 12 and a half minutes. Mm. Um, But not in a bad way. I just thought it really kind of took me on quite quite a good journey. So yeah, I was quite up on this. Now, before we go any further... I want to bring up a couple of random things during, that happened during the show, which I forgot to note in the previous oh, watches. Oh, here we go. Mainly because Old Man was going on about the game for so long.
1: Well, to be <laughs> honest, if you didn't keep bringing it up, it won't be any problem. You've done it again there.
2: <laughs> so the first of them was a crowd in, uh, sorry, a sign in the crowd during the opening match where someone has got a sign which says, worry about your own hair, Chris. <laughs> 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 classic absolutely brilliant brilliant sign we've also got at one point during the show uh during the seamus versus alberto del rio match To build on Del Rio's character, Michael Cole does a lovely little bit of contextual stuff during during the match. So he says that Del Rio owns a huge ranch and employs hundreds of workers to tend the ranch and essentially holds up the local economy with with the work (laughs) that he provides.
1: Tell you what,
2: when he says local
1: economy, does he mean Mexico?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Possibly. I mean, maybe that is the the story they're wielding here. Uh, And then during this match, the CM Punk-John Cena big show match, there is a sign in the crowd where someone has literally just written the words, Jorts Power. Yes, I saw that one. Brilliant, isn't it? You know what? It's hard to argue with as well. Really is. Really is hard to argue with that. So then we see a clip of Vince McMahon's star on the Walk of Fame. They just show a random uh, clip of that. We then see footage of a number of people in the crowd. So Piers Morgan, Fred Durst, Rick Rubin and David Arquette carrying a replica WCW world title belt. Mm. Lovely stuff. We also see Maria Menounos wearing a Bob Backlund T-shirt.
1: Yes, which is lovely.
2: It is. You know what? I've in the past been kind of sort of always said, who the fuck is Maria Menounos? And never understand why they're so proud to have her on their show. But after this appearance with the Bob Backlund t-shirt, I was like, "I don't care if she is she's brilliant but she's a massive mark apparently well,
1: well, she'd have to be. obviously yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it would have been good if well I, I'm assuming as her husband was next to her because he kept looking at her I thought he's a bloody lech. and uh it would have been good if she chucked the old crossface chicken wing on him <laughs> would have been, go- been good would have been good.
2: Then we get a trailer for a WWE Studios film starring the guy from Lord of the Rings and Lost is what I've written. And then later yes. on, I see that it's Dominic Monaghan is his name. Yes. And somebody called Ashley Bell, which I don't know what she's in, but I'm assuming she's in something. Ding dong. That's <laughs> that a clue to what she's in? Or do you just... No, it's Ashley Bell. <laughs> <What's> I it? see. <laughs> it's called The Day, uh, apparently. It is.
1: And I'll tell you what, it looks bloody good. <laughs> So I thought I'd check it out on IMDb 5.1. So to be honest, all jokes aside, that's the kind of thing I would chuck on if I was trying to woo a lady. And then she'd go, why are we watching this shit? I'm leaving. And i go, cool. See you later then. And then, and then I'd have to call Daniel Bryan and all would Be Right With The World.
2: So it's got an average rating of 5.1 on IMDb. That is yeah. a better rating than 13 of the shows that we've covered on this podcast. <laughs>
1: You do, to be honest, that doesn't surprise me. Perhaps we could do a watch along for that.
2: Oh, hello. Now you're talking. <laughs> the day. I mean, it, it's not really the most inspiring of titles for a film either, is it? The day. Well, it doesn't really make any sense because they're
1: in a house. At and night At night. <laughs>
3: yeah. <because they're> like, <laughs> what do you want it to be
1: called? The night. Or just scary house during the night. <laughs> Let me know what it's about.
2: Scary House During the Night, starring the guy from Lord of the Rings and Lost.
1: Yeah, yeah. Possibly with some really bad acting.
2: Probably with some really bad yeah. acting. Starring Brock Lesnar.
3: Yes. Oh. And <laughs> Scott Armstrong. It's a WWE made film. There's going to be bad acting in it. Yeah.
2: Now, I've got I to be honest, I think I've only watched one WWE made film. It was one of the ones we've seen it in, and I can't remember which one it was. It's like 12 Rounds or something like that. Oh,
1: yeah. oh. Yes, with, with Danny
2: Glover. And it was actually quite watchable. It wasn't too bad. I was quite surprised by don't go wrong, it wasn't good. <laughs> but it was watchable. It was it was like I was gonna try and compare it to one of the matches on the show, but none of them work. So um yeah, it was quite it was quite watchable. Um uh, Matt, I imagine you've probably watched a fair few WW Studios films.
3: Yeah, do you know I I can't remember when did I watch it? I can't remember what happened because I sort of just glimpsed through it, but I did see C No Evil a while ago that God awful May 14th film of OK, which the only thing people will remember is the admittedly awesome marketing campaign of May 14th or May 19th. I think it was actually tell a lie.
2: Wasn't that good then, was it? Fucking hell. I can't even remember the date.
3: It was <laughs> 14th just sounded right. What's the significance of May 19th? That that is
1: when the film was being released. Oh, I I thought it was like something that I should know about. You know, you know, you know, May 19th
3: it was a really poor. Well, I say poor. Yeah, it was a really like sort of bad angle they did with Kane. I think it was years ago when uh, they were trying to I can't remember if they were trying to turn him heel or he was heel. And when his film was coming out, they kept saying, you know, May 19th, Kane is scared of May 19th. And they're like, what the hell is all that about? And as it turns out, May 19th was the release date of his film. And to be
2: fair, that's a perfectly fair thing to be scared of.
3: True. um, But there was a really memorable angle with uh, with Shawn Michaels and Rob Conway, actually, where Rob Conway was the special guest ref. Um, No, Shawn Michaels was a special guest ref, sorry, between a match between Kane and Rob Conway. And Shawn Michaels had a T-shirt which had May 19th plastered all over it. And you you should honestly check this out. It was one of the funniest things Shawn Michaels had done in ages. I loved it. Um, But yeah, that that, that was it. It was
2: was really good. You should check it out. I've got to be honest, I don't think I'm going to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I watched The Condemned, the one with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vinnie Jones. And you know what? That was all right. That. And I like the fact that Austin stopped doing acting because he didn't like reading lines and hanging around all day because he thought it was a waste of everyone's time. And I thought oh, lovely old job. Go on, Steve, you hero.
2: The condemned is the like battle royale rip off thing. Yeah, isn't
1: it? yeah, yeah. Which is is like battle royale. If battle royale was not as good as it is by <laughs> a long distance.
2: Well, I'm 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 convinced. I'm going to watch that one yeah. definitely. So then we get some footage from the pre-show uh, of Cesaro winning the United States title. Before he wins the title, he says the word greatness in five languages at the behest mm-hmm. of, I think it's Axana, but I wasn't sure as I was yeah. watching. He then beats Santino Marella for that belt. Yeah, they're obviously trying to uh, fill time here between the Cena no, big shows no. and. CM Punk triple threat match and the main event. And the reason I say that is because I looked at the time that we had left of this show and it was still like 40 minutes. And I was like, there must be another match here between these two matches. No, they're just filling time. And as part of that time filling exercise, we get Kevin Rudolph performing Don't Give Up. The official theme of SummerSlam. He is there in the in the arena to perform it for the crowd. I I can't be honest right now, right? I was I watched this earlier today. When this started, I very seriously, for the first time on any show that we've watched as part of this podcast, considered skipping this <gasps> song, I thought, you know what? I just can't. If this is just gonna be in playing the song, I'm gonna skip it. And you know what? I am so fucking glad I did not skip watching this fucking performance because this was one of my favorite bits of the entire show and i don't mean that as an insult to the show because First of all, we see Justin Roberts and Lillian Garcia having a lovely, lovely oh. little dance at ringside. They're loving it. They're actually having oh. a lovely time. And at first I've written, at least someone is dancing, but but they were. And then we get some women come out to the stage, all the women from the, the promotion, who obviously have got are, are not allowed to do anything else on this show. They've not been given anything else. They're right as well. So we, <laughs> um, so we get them on the stage. The highlight, though, has to be. The bit where Michael Cole is dancing and trying to get Jerry Lawler to join in and Jerry Lawler is just like playing the grumpy old man and Michael Cole is having a lovely time. He's just dancing up a storm. Then just to top it all off, lovely little cherry on the top. They cut to the Spanish announcers who are kind of doing a little jig, sat on their chairs, listening to the song. I tell you what, this genuinely put a smile on my face. I thought it was fantastic. Um, Obviously, Matt doesn't feel the same as me.
3: Absolutely not. I hated this. I can't stress that enough. And what's funny about that is somewhat controversially, because I think that on the whole, wrestling fans tend to not like musical performances at shows. I think that does tend to be the general consensus. I actually do. I don't mind them. I I can see why, particularly if you're there live. It'd be a nice little break, so it, it doesn't really bother me. But this one was God awful. Like, like you said, watching, you know, Lillian and uh, you know Michael Cole and that, and everybody dancing at ringside. It was like parents at a wedding. It just, oh, it was cringe. You're right. They were the only ones dancing. There was maybe a handful of people in the crowd, but just no one cared. It was just awful. It, it for me, it just felt like this is something that it was an advert for wwe that's all it was but if for those two three minutes whatever the hell it was of my life that i will never get back it sucked
1: wow i must say you're someone who quite enjoys musical performances of wrestling you should have been a wrestling in 25 when kid rock <laughs> performed for about that's what i was gonna 15 name. minutes I, I liked it <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah and also like it's really it's not the best wrestlemania but i can remember that really took the wind out of the show <laughs> as well but well, to be fair i thought it was hot air <laughs> mm. anyway i quite enjoyed this but i do have one major question who the fuck is kevin rudolph <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not saying that just to be like smart in those way that the kids are when they say that they don't know who, like, some cunt is. But who is he? I don't know. And why and why is he there? I'm not complaining. <laughs> I also quite enjoyed it. This is how you have to do these things. They have to be stupid and they have to be over the top. He doesn't do that. He's just there performing a song. I don't really understand. I didn't mind it. I thought it was very oddly placed, given that we're about to go into the perfect storm and it's going to be quite serious from here on out. And Michael Cole has just been for want of a better phrase, humping Jerry Lawler <laughs> for about 14 seconds on camera. Jer- Jerry Lawler gets a lot of stick on this show for being crap. How he doesn't pop, fair play to him, because I would have been laughing my head off. To be fair, if I last sat through this next to heel Michael Cole, I would have been absolutely bladdered at this point. So I would have laughed at anything. But fuck me, maybe Brian Danielson, which is his working name, was giving him a little hand job under the table. <laughs> And he was just trying not to come before the end of the song. When the uh, smart, sexy and powerful divas come out, (laughs) they're dancing a little bit too serious, to be honest. Yeah. But I can completely understand that because this is their one bit on the show. As Tinky said, they're allowed to do. They've been let out of their bloody cupboard just for a little bit. And uh, yeah, and then the other guys are just having a great... I'd have been dancing in the crowd. I'd have been trying to embarrass whoever I was stood next to. I'd have probably been umping them as well, depending on who it was. And how pissed I was, I'd have been really pissed at this. So lovely old job, I like, ah, oh, great stuff.
2: <laughs> right, well we've spent an awful long time um, <laughs> assessing the quality of this. Uh, tell what, this hang thing.
1: on, hang on. I feel like we need some context. So outside of Kid Rock, which of the musical performances on wrestling shows, the stick WWE, have you enjoyed,
3: Matt? Uh, oh, and, it, was... and it can't be someone's entrance music, because that's cheating. I, I was going to say, how, how many have they been? Let's try and remember them. I can't remember that many off the top of my head, but Kid Rock's Mike.
1: I've enjoyed. You had Ozzy Osbourne. When the
3: hell did he do that?
1: They wheeled him out on Raw. Well, to be fair, he put a fucking show on. I mean, I suppose we could have the DX band doing America the Beautiful.
2: <laughs> but then you could do any America the Beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the one that sticks in my mind is Kid Rock. And I agree with old man. It was fucking shit. And Kid (laughs) Rock is fucking shit anyway. So.
3: (laughs) To lighten up.
2: (laughs) No, because he's doing it seriously and it's supposed to be cool. It's like five or six years after Kid Rock was at his height of popularity and they wheel him out. um, And he bores the tears off of everyone for 15 minutes. Like that is not good. This completely naff, completely shit. Is good, it's really good. I <laughs> know, anyway. Moving Kevin, on, let's, let's move Kevin, on.
1: Kevin, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> uh,
2: attentions turn to Lesnar versus Triple H. A perfect, storm. finally, they haven't been they
1: haven't given it any attention on this show. Finally,
2: <laughs> the main event it is as you say, a perfect storm. We get the video package building to the match which is similar to the one that built the show at the beginning uh with the Le- with this is where we find lesnar demanding the show be called monday night Raw starring brock lesnar which actually i popped for thought it was quality triple h said, attacks brock lesnar as a consequence of this seemingly and that's when the story starts to kind of not make a huge amount of sense other than okay well now they're just fighting each other
1: this is where they lost me on this the contract thing that i mentioned earlier i don't really get it but yeah whatever do whatever you want So Triple H calls Brock Lesnar a name. Paul Heyman says, let's not resort to name calling or something. And then says, you wouldn't allow your children to do that. Oh, he's very angry about this. And I thought, why is he so angry? Stephanie comes down, she slaps him. Why are they so angry? He's not telling them that they're bad parents. (laughs) He's a parent himself. He's just suggesting something. Very odd. And that's what it's built on. It's like, I don't give a fuck.
2: But then also Paul Heyman accepts the match on Lesnar's behalf because Stephanie's come out and slapped him when Lesnar's yeah. not even there to say, yes, go ahead, I'll have the match, which is the bit where I'm a bit like, well, this is a bit silly because if Lesnar was there and Heyman had been slapped and then Lesnar had laughed, maybe, but then had gone, all right, yeah, I'll have the match. Oh, I've probably been all right with it. But the fact that Heyman decides on Lesnar's behalf mm-hmm. that he's going to give him the match, you'd have thought there'd be some repercussions for Heyman on this yeah. point. I just didn't get that bit.
1: Well, and also, Lesnar is portrayed by WWE as the most decorated combat sport expert, or whatever they call him, of all time. He's not scared of Triple H. He's not scared of a man approaching 50 with terrible hair. Like, that's <laughs> Hang just on. not.
2: Hang on, he's not fighting Kevin Rudolph, mate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, if he, I'd have paid, to, paid towards that, because I bet Kevin Rudolph can go.
2: So, our main event is officially a no disqualification match, apparently. Um, I guess it is because the referee doesn't um, allow any disqualifications or count outs. It is just under 19 minutes in length. It ends when after Triple H hits a pedigree, he goes for a pin and as he tries to turn Lesnar over, Lesnar manages to grab hold of Triple H's arm and lock in a Kimura for the second time, or actually not the second time, about the fifth or sixth time during the match, and then wrenches it for the submission victory. Old man, how did you feel about this one?
1: Let's get this bit out of the way. So there's a little bit where they have a little scrap outside. And Lesnar throws Triple H,
2: as Lesnar
1: is prone to do quite violently, over the table. And then tips the table over, stands on the little edge, and he drops a single axe handle from the table onto Triple H. And for some reason, Michael Cole just goes, beast incarnate! When he hits this single axe handle from the table, which had me howling with laughter at the stupidity of it. But anyway, that's the serious stuff. Now, there's a reason Lesnar has short matches against people of Triple H's ilk. Triple H, Goldberg, other people whose names I can't remember. <laughs> because his style doesn't work in these longer matches. And it's very much dictated by the person he's against. So he had some good longer matches on his return. The match was Cena extreme rules it's excellent but it's also it's kind of it's an easier match to do I think because they're just beating the shit into each other his matches with Undertaker well a couple of the matches with Undertaker are very good his match with CM Punk is phenomenal because they're capable of staying with him and also they they can kind of even Undertaker I think can do a lot of bumping for him and make him look good and he can let him pose and he can sell for him Triple H in 2012 sorry mate it's not possible I don't think Unfortunately, and the crowd know it, unfortunately, and it's very flat. It's incredibly painfully one paced. It is that typical Triple H match that Tinky and Tommy and I spoke about, uh, Vengeance 2004, where he's he just has that match. The finish is actually, I think the finish, in spite of the match, I think the finish is actually quite well done. And it was quite a surprise. I didn't expect Triple H to be tapping out because it's not really what he does. And we've obviously seen Cena beat Lesnar at Extreme Rules by pinning him. And then the match is done and I'm kind of relieved. I'm relieved it's only 19 minutes. I've not been particularly entertained, to be honest. It's no Kevin Rudolph (laughs) because it's so serious. The commentary serious. Everything is serious. And then after the finish, Triple H is walking around looking like a sad shoe, walking around the ring. Mm-hmm. Crowder, uh, you tapped out, you tapped out. And he's like, oh, so he turns on the waterworks. And it's to be fair, that does actually get the crowd on side, but it's in. Embarrassing. I mean, they built this as the perfect storm. This is a light breeze on a slightly chillier day than you thought, and you're only wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> not not good, lads. Not good. My hopes weren't high, but I thought they'd exceed these.
3: Interesting, because I think you guys have definitely seen the perfect storm, pun intended, of bringing me on this week, because particularly for this one, I thought this was excellent. Start to finish, loved it. And I was very interested to hear what what you had to say there all that, I gotta be honest. For me, I think that I was more potentially the target now, I say me, because I'm quite the MMA fan as well. I feel mm. MMA fans were partially the target audience in this match i think it was definitely without a doubt you know everybody i say everybody a lot of people uh, sort of knew about brock's issues with diverticulitis and you know the stomach problems he had but i felt that was more prominent in the mma community because it effectively ended his mma career so people knew more about his stomach issues there than they did in wwe and this match was pretty much centered around Brock going for the arm, trying to break his arm, uh, break Triple H's arm after he broke Shawn Michaels'. Triple H trying to go for the stomach and hurt his gut because he knew that's where his weakness was. So I, I definitely feel it was more sent, you know, sort of centered towards the MMA fan, which is perhaps you know where the disconnect was for you. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was really hard hitting. I, I love Brock's style of matches. I will admit. I am one of the biggest Brock Lesnar fans there is. Um, I thought the finish was fantastic. You know, no nobody gets you know nobody gets over hard hitting like Brock Lesnar quite does. I think people bought the finish. Um, you know the the fact that you know he was going for submissions that people don't typically tend to do. But I, I literally thought it was fantastic. And you know you did bring up a good point. where Certainly after the match, Triple H did put on the uh, you know the sort of sad and. You know, the sad face. And it, it, they obviously looked like they were trying to give off the impression that he was going to retire. And yeah. I, do feel it was, I do feel it was interesting with the crowd definitely booing him and giving him the you tapped out treatment. Mm. You know, at, at that point, I thought, oh, dear. I mean, you know, I'm sure backstage they are thinking, oh, shit, we've lost him. But, you know, I, I felt like he kind of pulled it back. But, yeah, I mean, I literally felt that Triple H Brock Lesnar at of this year was, or that year, was the perfect storm. Cool, oh, <laughs> lovely. I fall somewhere
2: between you two, actually. I didn't think it was excellent, but I did enjoy it quite a lot. And I thought that it was a good match. I would put this on my recommended matches to watch list I think it is good enough to be on there it's something different you don't see this very often in WWE I don't think and I'm always about something different I I like it when they try and change up the pace or they try and change the basis of the match I think you're right Matt it is aimed at an MMA audience and I think therefore it's probably why I struggle with it or not you know didn't Mm -hmm. like it as much as you did because I do think there's an element to which you are relying on your fan base now who and I can't emphasize this enough. It annoys me so much and always has that wrestling seems to be put into some kind of league with MMA because it's only the same as putting wrestling in the same league as boxing for example which doesn't doesn't work either for me they aren't the same thing they're no way the same thing I watch wrestling because I know it's not real that's partially Mm. the reason I watch it I don't like UFC and MMA really because I find it a little bit too barbaric sometimes and it does put me off which is incredible to say when you see some of the things ECW have done (laughs) over the years (laughs) I find it really odd that they are put in league so often although obviously I understand that Wrestling is is a a lot about legitimacy and trying to uh, put across that legitimacy and Brock Lesnar does it really well in all of his time during during the run that he had. But yeah, for me, it's just I don't I I, so I'm not really into that, but I thought that the match was somewhere between being they kind of just about made it enough about wrestling without making it um, too much MMA that I still found it quite an engaging match. Somebody who didn't find it engaging, though, were the crowd. The crowd really weren't in this. They just didn't. They weren't up for it. And I think that detracts from it massively. And it's another reason why I think MMA and wrestling is so different, because wrestling is all about the crowd reaction. Whereas MMA, you're actually trying to win a match. You're trying to win. It's about winning and losing. And I believe that WWE should always present itself being about winning and losing. But ultimately, the end goal is to get the crowd to be invested and to enjoy what you've put forward. And I just don't think they really managed it. I like the ending, but I didn't like the bit afterwards with Triple H. It didn't hit the mark at all. Clearly, they were trying to get like the old he's, he's left in the ring. He's been beaten down. He's potentially broken his arm and they're hoping the crowd will kind of stand up and. cheer for him him. and as you say Michael Cole says at the end you have to wonder whether this is the end of Triple H but it just doesn't work it just really doesn't work there's one other thing and I think this is I too Matt I think we've both on social media a number of times agreed with each other about Brock Lesnar's value to WWE I think we're both quite high on what Brock Lesnar brings and the fact that he Can all of the matches that he has in WWE, apart from this one, actually, in my mind, feel important, like going in the crowd are up for it. There's this real kind of atmosphere about it, but there is a weakness and it is summarized in a line that Cole, Michael Cole says on commentary during this match, which is he's not a superstar. He's a butt kicker to which I respond. They should all be butt kickers. They are wrestlers after all Stop like making it out that everybody else is just playing around while Brock Lesnar is this real fighter. It's great to have Lesnar bring that kind of legitimacy, but don't, at the same time, make everyone feel completely illegitimate at the same time. That was a real problem for me. And I don't think WWE ever really squared that in in terms of the presentation that they had with Brock Lesnar for most of the time. Too often he made other people seem worthless, of without value. And that's not really his fault. That's on WWE to to book him better. So, as I said, somewhere between the two of you. I didn't think it was a bad match at all. I, re- I really quite enjoyed it. I didn't think it was excellent. I thought it did a job. I think maybe it didn't quite do the job that it needed to in order to carry what was effectively a one match card here, because this was the one match that they built up throughout. I don't think it quite hit that height, but I enjoyed it for what it was.
1: I think that's why I took against it so much is that this was the whole card. And I was like, you can't you can't serve me this.
2: <laughs> Take it back. You've served, me yeah, you've,
1: served, you've served me a
2: wet kipper. So let's um let's do our overall thoughts on the show, our score out of ten, our match of the night, and our MVP. I'm going to start with yourself, Matt. Oh, overall score
3: of the night. Oh, I'm going to go with a five because without the main event and the Miz match, which God, how many times are you get to say that about a card? I really felt this was an awful show. So without those two, would have been that. The match of the night, Triple H Brock Lesnar. For me, there was no other choice at all. And and the main man of the night again, Brock Lesnar.
2: Fair enough, old man.
3: This is very poor. This is a very weak
1: show. This is something I kept coming back to. I couldn't believe how weak it was. In all the presentation apart from the main event, in terms of how they presented the whole card. And like I said, the main event didn't really do it for me at all, to be honest. I'm not sure if you guessed that. But uh, yeah, not good at all. Triple H crying at the end, just kind of topped it all off. And I just thought, nah, I'm pretty much done with this. I was glad it was done. I'm giving it a three. And to be honest, talking about it, I think it's quite lucky to get that. But that was my initial rating, so I'll stick with that. Mm. The match of the night for me is the triple threat match. Now, MVP is a very difficult one because I feel like because of the way the show's gone, it should be Daniel Bryan's work as a prostitute. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I'm going to give it to Vicky Guerrero because she was the only thing in probably
2: the first hour of the show
1: that got any sort of reaction from me. And it wasn't an erection.
2: (laughs) but <laughs> well, she is a cougar though old man don't forget she bloody is oh,
1: like old job.
3: she's not from cheshire
2: though is she <laughs> <laughs> so old man do you remember uh when we watched elimination chamber 2015 it was the show um, kevin owens yeah. and john cena had their match
1: yeah
2: and uh you rated that a three and tom rated it, it a four and i rated it a seven and you're both kind of like what the fuck are you talking about yeah i'm gonna do it again <laughs> oh, you good, lads. I'm going for seven out of 10. Yeah. I thought there was other than the tag team match in the middle. I thought everything was fine. Like the opener, I thought was really good. I thought the next three matches were perfectly fine. I thought the triple threat match, which is my match tonight night, by the way, was really good. I was really quite taken by that. And then the main event I thought was really good. I, I there was very little here for me to dislike. And of course, with the Kevin Rudolph performance which was just (laughs) that earned it free mark three scores on his own it was just wonderful so no i i, I was legitimately like i was thinking about before at the show and uh, before we recorded and i was like i can't give this a, a even an average i think this is just about above average to me and i always say that my average is six which is a bit strange i know but that's just where i see the average score being and also i mark more heavily for the later matches in particular the main event so for me it is an above average show and i have to give it a seven but it's great that we've got such a wide a variety of opinion. We've gone from three to seven, and Matt's right in the middle of us in terms of overall quality, despite loving the main event, which I would have thought it was going to give it a bigger like boost in terms of his rating. But it's just how it goes. My MVP, I'm giving to Big Show for the for the effort he puts in the show. In the That's lovely. Friends.
1: Well done, B. I'm Big I'm glad you went for Big Show because he was my second Well, so
2: an (laughs) MPP behind behind Vicky Guerrero and Daniel Bryan. Yeah.
1: Uh, hang on, it's male prostitute, Daniel Bryan. I'm interested in the wrestling stuff.
2: Fair. fair. Okay, fine. Kevin Rudolph was on my shortlist, though, because... Oh, I'll bet he <laughs> what was. What a performance yeah. that was. What a performance. So, it is nearly time for the game. Before we get there, um, and Matt will be hosting today, which will be very interesting. But before we do that, uh, it'd be great if you're able to give us a review, a rating, a follow, a subscribe, whatever it is, or however your podcasting app of choice allows you to support us.
3: Okay, the game that I have, or the the sort of quiz question, whatever you want to call it, is based on SummerSlam appearances. Now, I initially only did a few because I wasn't sure of the difficulty level of of what this might be like. Because to be fair, I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, that might be quite hard to to think of them. But So I started with just five people, and I thought, nah, screw it. Let's add add another five. Let's make it a list of ten. So... The the winner's gonna be the one who can get the obviously ideally if you can get the exact number of appearances, that'd be great, but if you can get as close to their appearances, mm-hmm. give give yourself a mark, okay?
2: So what this you're gonna is, do is you're gonna tell us a name and then we yeah. have to tell you how
3: many appearances they've had. How many appearances they've had at SummerSlam, yeah. Okay then. SummerSlam appearances. We're gonna start with how many appearances at SummerSlam has the Undertaker had? <laughs> I, I know, which is why I originally started with just five just like this might be hard. <laughs> I'm
1: going
3: to go 22.
2: I'm going to go 17.
3: The Undertaker has had 16 appearances. Oh, I knew I went too big. 1-0, yeah. come on. Okay, so the second person on the list is John Cena. Okay,
2: John Cena. I'm going to go with 15.
3: Oh, I'm going to go... 16. John Cena has 14 appearances <laughs> For God's sake. No, I, think ah. this, I think so far. Okay, my MVP of the show, Brock Lesnar. How many times has he appeared at SummerSlam? Ooh. Eight. Okay. Seven. Brock has 10. Oh, oh I guess! Uh, yeah. I can have it, Okay, the next one. How many appearances has Edge had? I uh, don't no. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, I'm going to go with 15.
3: 15, okay. Oh, man, what are we thinking? I'm going to go nine. Edge had 13 appearances at SummerSlam. i will do me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not think it was that many. Well, obviously, because I said nine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: What would have been crazy is if you said, I thought it was 13, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay, next person on the list is Triple H. How many times has Triple H appeared at SummerSlam?
1: Whose go is it? Yours. It. I am okay. going
3: to go 17.
2: I'm going to go for 20. It's
3: a lot lower than that, actually. It's
2: 13. Wow. I was like, his first one was in 1995, so he must
3: have been on yeah. loads. Yeah. Then... It's crazy when you think about it. To be fair. Okay. Now the the, the next few, I found particularly interesting some of the stats for these. How many appearances has Dwayne the Rock Johnson had at SummerSlam?
2: Shit on a stick. <laughs> I'm gonna go for five.
3: I'm gonna go six. <laughs> this is probably the closest you've both been so far, and Tinky, for you, spot on, five. The Rock oh. is out. Oh. Yes,
2: come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's got to be a nice feeling to get one bang on. You're, it's four too, two here.
2: I yeah.
1: I'm getting my ass handed to me like Daniel Bryan in a street alley.
3: <laughs> 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 well, see if you can redeem yourself with this next person, who happens to be
1: Sean Michaels. Oh fuck.
3: Fucking how.
1: I'm gonna go fourteen.
3: I'm gonna go twelve. Sean <laughs> <laughs> Michaels has had eleven appearances oh. at <laughs> Oh, that's it. You bloody won, you <laughs> shit. Oh no, no,
1: you haven't won yet, but I do need to get all of the last three. Well,
3: the last three. So the first of the last three, how many appearances has... Hulk Hogan did SummerSlam. Let's say six.
1: Oh, man. Oh, fuck That's what I was going to say. I'll go seven, then.
3: You're going to regret that because it was six.
1: Oh, well played, Tinky. Fine, let's carry on so I can try and redeem myself. <laughs> Embarrass <laughs> me,
3: Okay, two left. Next one. How many times has Bret Hart appeared at SummerSlam? Ooh. I'll tell you what I can tell you.
2: What's
1: Every that? match was a belter.
3: <laughs> yeah, probably.
1: Yeah. I won't. I won't let the uh, let the listener know what it is, but I watched next week's. He done this week. Uh I will go four. I'm gonna go eight.
3: Actually, higher than that, it's eleven. Whoa! <laughs> Shit, a brick. Eleven appearances at Summer
2: Eighty-eight, eighty-nine, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, not 96, 97. And then there would have been one or two after that because he was, he came back for that multi man match, didn't he, with Daniel Bryan and all that lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, I about that Bollocks. I
3: know I forgot about eight more, but always, always the later years, always the later years. And then the last one, and to be honest, I felt slightly bad over the fact that I didn't have any women on this list. So I felt like I had to include one. Um, how many appearances has Sasha Banks had at SummerSlam? Mm. I was torn between who or Trish. I went with Sasha in the end. I will go four again. I'm going to go
2: five.
3: Old man has it on this one. It has. It was four appearances. Yes, I got one right, so that means I get double points. So I win.
1: Not
2: <laughs> Actually, that's even, outstanding. Even with double points, you you still lose. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I get double points for all of mine.
2: You still lose. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: I still lose by one. Alright, you get a negative point, two <laughs> points, for being Sarky.
2: I think <laughs> that's fair.
1: Well played uh, Well done, Matt. That was a little change up.
2: It was quite It was. It was a little change up. Yeah, very interesting.
1: Yeah, cool. that might have uh, give us a few more avenues to go down. And I'm not talking about be. Daniel Bryan.
2: and on that note we're going to leave Daniel Bryan and his prostitution behind for another week I'm sure it'll come up again in the future God help us old man thank you for joining me today
1: thank you very much thank you to Matt for coming again we'll obviously remember Matt's appearance we'll remember Gigolo Daniel Bryan and we'll also remember Ken Patera
2: and Matt thank you for your contributions too
3: pleasure as always it has indeed been the perfect storm this week (laughs)
2: as i say we'll be back again next week but until then take care